Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe. Other than the fact my legs are really sore. Hmm. Did you eat shit walking up the steps to your boss's game night this past week, or was that just my wife? I think that was just your wife. No. Okay. Um, see, I, my problem is uh, I was getting dressed last week, and I realized that my my skinny jeans that I've been trying to rock for the past like year don't fit anymore, and I have to go back to my semi-fat jeans. Mm. So I was like, all right, I think I've been cultivating too much mass since I became <laughs> unemployed. Uh, so I started like working out again, and uh, my body is rejecting that sentiment. <laughs> what? Well, first of all, I – you know, I – I've never had a pair of jeans that are skinny on me, you know? Yeah. Um, just because I'm an oddly shaped fat person. I am down from where I was like two months ago, let's say, but that's still like a long way to go, you know? Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, like there was a brief window in time like a year ago where like I was damn good looking and I'm, I'm going to try to get back there. Give me a couple months. Give me the winter where I can hide it under a puffy coat. Uh, good looking is subjective, you know, there's a, <laughs> what do they say? There's a lid for every pot. Is that yeah, the thing yeah. they say? Yeah. All right. Well, I was, uh, more, uh, narrow. <laughs> you know, um, there you go. More able to go up a flight of steps without struggling. Are you act? Well, listen, is this, this show? Are you actively out there looking for companionship? Oh, Are no. you on like Bumble or something or Screen Door or Plenty of Fish? <laughs> no, These... like every like I, I maybe once a year I'll like look into those things. And I this is maybe like six months ago. Uh, I I was like, okay, what do the youngs use? And I was like, oh, Tinder's a thing, right? So I went and I downloaded the app, and I was like, okay, this is weird and confusing, and all the reviews are saying it's bad. And I'm like, I think I think people moved on from Tinder. Mm. And so then I was like, oh, I heard Facebook has a dating thing. And oh, boy, yeah, not interested in anything that's on that, anybody that's on that. So uh, I deleted it and I was like, all right, we'll try again next year. <laughs> you know, the moment the, the, the idea passed. Do you need me to put together your dating profile? <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I think it's like good I said, to like it's good. I think it's good to farm that sort of thing out to yeah, a third party so that you're. You get an unbiased opinion out there, you know? <laughs> well, I always put uh, that I'm in professional sports broadcasting as my career. So uh, <laughs> as long as you keep that on there, we'll be okay. Yeah, you just don't tell people who your co-host is, God forbid, when you're getting their major bendy signed. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that that made Pod Van Dam this week. I yeah. remembered. Thanks. And, and I was going to call in with it, but I wanted to save it for this show. Um, we had joked myself, uh, Adam and Kevin Ford had joked around when right before raw came up here to the arena, um, little Johnny was in town to do like a meet and greet autograph signing before the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Penguins game. Yeah. And there was definitely discussion of me going up there. <laughs> waiting in line in the meet and greet and making Johnny unblock me on Twitter in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah, you should have been in disguise as like the penguin mascot, and then you get up to the front and you take the head off the mascot. No, I wanted I wanted to be if we were gonna do it, I wanted to be in line, like several people deep, and then he sees me. You know <laughs> what I mean? And then he gets like and then he shits himself, you know? <laughs> now would you 
wear current Joe Sposto attire, like the John Cena hat and, uh, you know, whatever? Or would you would you dust out the old LFC suit, take it out of the, the trunk nah, of the car? <laughs> that, don't, that thing don't fit. <laughs> I just didn't know if he wanted to complete, like, what his nightmares are of, you know, give him the, the full visual. No, so the way that it would work is I'd be like, oh, hey, John, let's get a... Let's get a picture together. It's real cool you're here. Like, I live around here, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And then I'd like, oh, let me go post this in social media. And then I would go and, like, met little Johnny at the thing. And then when I, you know, when you're when you're blocked by someone, it won't pull up their tag, right? Yeah, and act like, what? Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. And, like, huh. I go, I don't know. Why can't I find you, John? What's going on? Did, did you did you change your Twitter handle? Like what's what is exactly what I would have I had it all planned out, but you know what I did that day? I think I slept instead. Oh, <laughs> uh, not as good of a bit, but I think a good use of time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, keep us up to date with your uh dating lifestyle. I'm just well, um I don't know. We'll all all right, step one, get back into really good shapes. Then step two, dating profile. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I would definitely wait until after the holidays. Yeah. So that you don't need to scramble for like a gift or something for someone. Well, then you might as well wait until after like February 14th because you don't right. have pressure, you know? Um, well, no, so see, and listen, I, you're you're speaking to someone who's been in a committed relationship for 22 years, so I really know how the dating game is played. Yeah. Um, but if you wait until, like, after Christmas, you, there's, there's, there's the sweet spot between Christmas and New Year's, okay? Mm-hmm. Where if you can get the date and the first date works out well, you can maybe parlay that into a second date for a New Year's Eve sort of thing, right? Uh-huh. And then if you play that well, she'll hopefully at least stick around until Valentine's Day. And that's when you can disappoint her. <laughs> uh, no, nah, you know what? I'm just going to wait until after February. Again, give me the winter to get my shit back together. Right. Uh, so other than my winning personality, I can also throw a, like a, a slam and bod as another benefit. <laughs> And oh then we'll we'll go full bore. We'll do a bit. You know, it'll be a thing. We'll we'll fill out a dating profile on the show or on, on Patreon. Oh, there you go. There's only one guy I know who goes full bore. So watch your mouth there, sir. Oh, I would never disrespect that man. That's right. Um, but yeah, keep us up to date. Let us know what uh, dating app you're on so we can all troll you on it. <laughs> and uh, I'm just saying this. Photo should definitely be your head fo- uh, superimposed over a picture of Broski, or at least did you get a did you get a mark picture with Broski? Remind me of this. I have two, but I was gonna say I should just put a picture of Artie up, but you know Broski's also an idea. <laughs> you could, you know what? You could if you and Artie lived closer, you could do like the twins gimmick. You know, <laughs> that's a good idea as well. If there wasn't at odds after dark, this would have been it, but it's not. So you get this for free, right? Perfect. So let's get into some wrestling talk. And now, at odds with wrestling presents this day in wrestling history. All right. This day in wrestling history, 1997, head to head, Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw. Some of my favorite times to be talking about. Yep. Uh, so, uh, 
WCW is on the road to Starcade still. Uh, very lackluster show from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith of the Bills are in attendance. All right. Makes perfect sense. And literally every heel on the show mixes it up with them. All right. Sounds like sounds like a great show so far. You got me hooked. Okay. Also, at two different points uh, in the evening, the lights go out. The lights go out. And Sting <laughs> lays out members of the NWO, leaving them laying with Sting masks on. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's something about the lights going out, the lights going out. You can never do it too many times, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They only did it two times on this episode of Nitro. Yeah. So, uh, main event segment is NWO's out. They lay out DDP again. Uh, a sting mannequin falls from the ceiling, right? And is this before or after Owen? They're well before. It's like We're okay. like two years before Owen, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. So this is not the first time that they've dropped the Sting Mannequin as a rib, right? Mm. So this time, though, they drop the Sting Mannequin, and the Mannequin goes, like, all the way into a hole in the ring, right? Okay. And the logistics of it are supposed to be uh, Hogan and Bischoff are leaving, and they tell the end- the other NWO members to get the Mannequin out of the hole. <laughs> and then, then, then Hogan's going to, like, desecrate the Mannequin, right? Uh-huh. It was very clearly a mannequin that fell from the sky. It's very clearly a mannequin that's in the hole. But then when they go into the hole to pull whatever out, it's very clearly Sting trying to act like a mannequin. (laughs) All right. And then they lean the mannequin. And again, imagine trying to be a human body, okay? And be rigid enough so that you're you're being leaned forward on the top rope and still to try to like like you have to understand how ridiculous all of this looks okay yeah yeah so the announcers are all acting like it's the mannequin the nwo are all acting like it's the mannequin hogan is acting like it's the mannequin until he goes and pulls the sting mask off and it's revealed to be actual sting okay yeah, what a swerve. <laughs> so then Sting tries to get him himself unhooked from the harness, and he can't. So he's literally taking on the rest of the NWO, like 10 people, with one hand while he's trying to unfasten himself from the harness. <laughs> We're two weeks away from Starcade, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, that if that didn't sell you on the pay-per-view, I don't know what would have. Right. And uh, after weeks of being squashed out on TV, uh, Disco Inferno beats Perry Saturn to get to regain the uh, television title. Okay, that's a thing that happened. Okay. Hopefully that's the last time we mentioned Disco on this entire podcast. Anyway, over on Raw, on the other hand, from Portland, Maine, it's the night after In Your House Degeneration X, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to be the first time that I say this, but it's not going to be the last time I say this. This is the most Attitude Era ass episode of Raw that we've watched to date. This is the one with the strip poker DX thing, right? This is the strip poker DX segment. This is them almost killing the headbangers with a a shoot bottle of Jack Daniels. (laughs) This is Sean cutting the promo where he calls Owen Hart the nugget, okay? Uh Uh-huh. This is 
Uh, Austin forfeiting the Intercontinental title. This is the first time Vince has appeared on camera since the Montreal Screwjob. Like, in ring. Like, in person, right? Okay, I didn't know that. Um, like, he, like he was there for Survivor Series. Uh, not the next night, but the week after is when he does the sit-down interview with Jim Ross where it's the Brett Screwed Brett thing. But, like, here we are, like, a month later, it's the first time that Vince is in front of fans, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Austin forfeits the Intercontinental title The Rock, then beats up The Rock and takes the Intercontinental title back from The Rock, okay? Yep. Um, also on this show is the first time that Michael Cole does commentary. Uh, up until this point, he was just a backstage interviewer. Okay. Uh, Kurgan gets his fresh coat of paint, uh, wherein... He's no longer part, like, he's part of the Truth Commission, but he's not dressed like the other members of the Truth Commission. This is where he debuts the look that looks like the Kurgan Jacks figure. Okay. Still pre-oddities, obviously, but... Yeah. Uh, where he just has the please. black pants, no top, and he has the, the black tape on his fingers, right? Yeah. Um, also on this show is the infamous Mark Marrow promo. He has a match set up on the show with Salvatore Sincere. But he's a jabroni. Um, and he calls him that jabroni Tom Brandy. <laughs> Sable is brought out in a potato sack by Mark Marrow. Sable takes off the potato sack and reveals one of her many, uh, like skin tight bikini deals, right? Yep. And Mark Marrow freaks out and then he loses the match because of that, right? Yeah, of course. Um again, like I said, tons of stuff happening on the show. But I would say maybe the most important thing that happens on the show uh is in a singles match, Dude Love defeats Billy Gunn by disqualification when the New Age Outlaws beat him down in a two on one situation. Okay. Is this lead to somebody with uh, maybe like uh, some pantyhose over his head coming out? All I'm going to say is that if you debut coming out of a box, you're instantly over. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) You know, at this time, I I, I obviously I am not a Terry Funk aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. I like to think that I'm trying to get a better appreciation of Terry Funk now that I'm older and wiser. But what I knew of Terry Funk back then other than the fact that he'd been around forever and, you know, he was a legend, but I knew about him from ECW. And when he came out of the box, I was so mad. I was like, why don't you just call him Terry Funk? This makes no sense. I hated the Chainsaw Charlie bit. I feel like it took away from uh, him being there. So, um, I'm not that upset about it. It was silly, but it was WWF. So things were always going to be silly, you know? Yeah, but we were um, also entering a time when, you know, it's the reality era of wrestling. More people are are getting their shoot names, brother, and, uh, you know, we're referencing the other companies and stuff. It just seemed like a odd time of wrestling to be doing that kind of stuff. Right, and he is wearing the Chainsaw Charlie garb, but by the time we hit the Royal Rumble, they're just calling him Terry Funk. Yeah, no, I guess you. Yeah, it's just completely out the window, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But also on this day in wrestling history, in 2008, World Wrestling Entertainment decided to reignite and bring back the Slammies for the first time in, geez, let's say 11 years. Okay. 
So I, I'm not going to go through the entirety of the Slammies. That would just be silly. But I wanted to have Adam just to get an idea of what 2008 World Wrestling Entertainment looked like, right? Yeah. So uh, who was 2008 Superstar of the Year? All right. So I had suspicions you were going to do this. So I, I pulled up the rosters yes. from the years just so I'd have an idea of like who the hell was there at the time. And of yeah. course, I'm flipping through 80,000 people here, so this also wasn't wise, but 2008 was it Cena? Superstar of the year was Jericho. Okay. 0 for 1. Uh OMG moment of the year? Oh, see, I'm not going to I don't know what happened then. I don't know. Hogan slams Andre. No. <laughs> Punk cashing in his money in the bank. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, but da, 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 breakout star of the year. Oh man, man, two thousand eight. Yes, this one. This one you'll never get in a million years. I have it on here just because how stupid it is. Can you give me a hint to make it entertaining? Um, he was one of many people that came in as a monster heel. And were quickly converted to a comedy baby face. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm quickly scrolling, quickly scrolling. Uh, I, I don't know. Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> Breakout star. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Oh, I see Scotty Goldman was on the roster here. Whatever happened to that guy? Well, uh, he was not winning the Slammy for Best WWE.com exclusive. That went to the dirt sheet. Okay, I vaguely remember that. Okay, so again, that was two. Did I have any other ones that I included in the email for 2008? Uh, yeah, OMG, Superstar, no, that was it. Okay, 2014, six years later, okay? All right, let me open that tab. WWE brings back the Slammies yet again. Uh, Superstar of the Year 2014. Uh, I wish this was Ra- D- Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan. Roman Reigns. Really? Even back then? Okay, and again, so this is this is going to be very interesting as we go through all of these, okay? Yeah. Um, the This Is Awesome moment of the year. That's uh, Shield and uh, Wyatt's? Sting debuts for World Wrestling Entertainment. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? I know. Conversely, the OMG shocking moment of the year. The Wyatt's in the Shield. Uh, Brock Lesnar beats the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania. Oh, see uh, how far? Oh, they're already broke up by this point. See, here's the thing: I'm looking at this roster page, uh-huh. and it shows all the members of the Shield wearing their tactical stuff. So this is what threw me off. Hashtag of the year. Uh, I don't uh, fucking hashtag get Ethan Page in the next line <laughs> of AEW Jazzwares. <laughs> hashtag RKO out of nowhere. Remember what, that, Adam? What kind of, if you ever tweeted that out, even ironically, you're a fucking loser and you're pro- probably paying for the $8 a month verification right now. That's true. <laughs> it's almost as bad as having WWE songs on your Spotify rap list. Exactly. Okay. Breakout star of the year. Again, bear in mind, six years prior it was Vladimir Kozlov. Oh, see, uh, hold on. Damien Mizdow. <laughs> Ambrose. But, all right, but he's, he's not breaking out. He's been around for three years or two all years. All right. 
Listen, I'm just telling you. Uh, raw guest star of the year. Uh, Bob Barker. Hugh Jackman. Oh, Broski's friend. Oh, and here's the last one. Twitter social champion. I I don't know. <laughs> now, again, D, they do the raw, raw celebrity of the year is Hugh Jackman. You'd think it'd be Broski as the Twitter superstar whatever of the year. Of course, the best Twitterer of 2014 from the World Wrestling Entertainment is yeah. Ziggler. Oh, Ziggler. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got that hashtag heel thing over on uh, uh, Z True Long Island Story. Maybe that's what it was. Right. He got that over on somebody else's much more popular show. Yeah. But this was definitely the era of stuff like Danielson getting over, Broski getting over, that the WWE corporate machine was like, we can't acknowledge any of it. Yeah, we didn't. That wasn't part of our grand design, so we need to stomp it out immediately. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, just I I like the Slammies. I really want to assign Adam to watch the '87 Slammies, even though he claims wrestling didn't start taking place until 1990. It it didn't happen. But the '87 Slammies is essentially like a variety show. Yeah, ballroom um, like or something like that. Yeah, and they're performing uh, lip sync tracks from the Pile Driver album. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I'm looking at this 2014 roster, and like, I'm pretty sure half these people aren't in wrestling anymore, and the other half are still in WWE. You know, it's very weird. Right, but again, it's crazy how things change. You know, 08 to 14, six years. How much things change? 14 to 22 eight years you know it just yeah a lot of turnover these days in the world of professional wrestling yeah like i see brodus clay on here i heard he no showed a toy drive today but uh, well listen uh to give him the benefit of the doubt um i understand that he's stuck in traffic oh okay they must have started the show really early and he didn't have advance notice to get there you know somebody better call his mama yeah <laughs> somebody better call greg gutfeld <laughs> All right, enough about that, Adam. What do you want to talk about from the last seven days in professional wrestling? Okay, I'm going to talk about the fact that we got, for better or worse, an explanation from William Regal about the whole Blackpool Combat Club thing. Um, I think we talked about last week or the week before the fact that a lot of this just didn't make sense. Obviously, when they had him turn heel and join MJF, I don't think that they knew he was leaving or if he knew had plans on leaving or whatever. So we got an explanation. We got a video that was allegedly filmed before the pay-per-view or the or after the pay-per-view. It was right. It was after the pay-per-view. Yeah, immediately afterwards, because he basically said that he gave MJF exactly what he wanted and be careful what you wish for, because he gave him the burden of being the champ. And then now everybody's going to go after him. And that he taught the Blackpool Combat Club a final lesson on betrayal. Keep eyes in the back of your head. And now that they learn that, they, meaning Mox, Danielson, and Claudio, can teach you to, you know, everything that they need without him being there. So, basically, I did like it. I hate the fact that we had to have it because I wish some of those booking decisions leading up to him leaving never happened. Uh, but I like the fact that they didn't just completely ignore the fact that it didn't make sense. So they tried. So I give them points for trying. Um, I don't think it's a great explanation, but when you're painted into the corner that they were, 
it's better than nothing. Uh, so I do like the fact that we got one of them, and you know we can still we still saw on television this week that the Blackpool Combat Club, at least for now, is still a thing. So it's not entirely dependent on Regal being there. So I do like the fact that they didn't just kind of sweep his existence under the rug as soon as he you know got laid out by MJF. Right, and I wonder if it was intentional or not because like they do like the event center like YouTube deals before every episode of Dynamite every week. And they did, like, an extended Moxley promo. And in that extended Moxley promo, th- there's no mention of Regal. And they do everything that they can to shoot around Regal in all the stuff from the pay-per-view leading up to it. And then, like, even... They don't even show him getting stretchered out or getting laid out by Max. Like, they don't even show any of that. So I don't know if this was one of those things where that video package was put together on purpose that way so that when the video comes up on dynamite it's like oh my god i thought they had wrote, written them off that way but now we get this or if this was done with the intent to write them off and then they were able to scramble and get something filmed to get on tv you know yeah but the fact that they even bothered to try yes. to explain the storyline i appreciate it you know Right, and again, you know, we, we, they were painted into a corner. There was so much going on with the angle. Is he leaving? Did he, you know, did he sign an extension? Did he not sign an extension? Who signs a nine-month contract in the world of professional wrestling? And again, listen, man, I, I said in my call the Pod Van Dam this week, Leo Rush had a nine-month contract with AEW, allegedly, so if you believe his, you believe Regal's, and even further still, contracts with no matter what company it is ain't worth the paper they're printed on. You know what I mean? Yeah. WWE could fire you for any reason, no matter how long your contract is. Ask all the guys that were get that were let go pre-pandemic, you know? Yeah, there hasn't been a guaranteed contract since Nash. <laughs> right. Um, but, um, like I said, it it was, it was a good enough to explain everything away, paint it into a corner. Um, and I guess if you believe the online stuff and, uh, Adam in my old age here in, uh, 2022, I'm starting to believe less and less the stuff that I read from your pundits and your, your people that you pay money to their newsletter for of what they say in regards to the world of professional wrestling. And I'm more apt to believe dark Twitter and people sharing stuff in discords. <laughs> what you mean? Sean Ross Sapp is not like a credible news guy. <sighs> no, he's not. All right. Yeah, but well, whatever. I'm, if Regal's happy going to to train his kid and do whatever it is, you know, more sure. power to him. I I will miss uh, him hitting on Excalibur every week. That's one of my many highlights of commentary, along with you know Small Package Jones and all that stuff. Right, Yambag Jones. Uh, Was it Some musical Jones? Don't work on Wednesday or whatever the thing that he said. But anyway. Uh, so my thing I want to talk about didn't happen this week in the last seven days. It actually happened, like, last week. Oh, it doesn't count. Strike it from record. No, I got to talk about it because I, I kind of kicked myself that I didn't have it in my notes. And it was one of those things because it was, like, the day after Thanksgiving and it was on at a weird time and everything else like that. Um, the way on Rampage two weeks ago, the whole Preston Vance negative one angle came off, right? Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, Preston Vance, after weeks and weeks of being courted by uh, Andrade and then by Rouge and by Jose the Assistant, finally uh, turns his back on the Dark Order 
you know, lays everyone out. They beat the shit out of Uno, leave him bloodied and laying with his mask all ripped up. And there's little negative one on the ramp, like saying, how could you? And Vance takes the mask off and like throws it down in front of the kid. Mm -hmm. And like everyone online was like, oh, he should have put his hands on the kid and everything else like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, push him over at least, you know? Something, you know? Um, Or at least like let the kids slap him or something, you know? Uh And then like kind of get up in the kid's face and scare him. But I thought it was a great piece of business where a lot of times out of Rampage doesn't get that sort of stuff. And because Rampage is a taped show, um, you know, the spoilers are out there. You could find them. And luckily enough of the people that were there and online and the spheres that I run in were smart enough not to stooge that off online to kind of let the people watch it. And it was a real cool bit. If you missed it, I'm sure the whole thing is up on AEW's YouTube page. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Yeah. No, I liked it as well. Uh, I am kind of partially sad to see that the Dark Order is pretty much done. You know, we'll have Reynolds and Silver as a as a tag team. And Uno's around, but he's doing a lot of the social media stuff. And uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody that's left, right? Stu's not back because he had that one-time appearance. Uh, Colt was always signed as a Ring of Honor guy. We all know that. Uh, So, I mean, there's not many uh, reason to keep the Dark Order around, but I will obviously have sentimental attachment to Dark Order, whether it be, you know, when they first formed and they're all bad guys or just teaming up with Hangman and being a cool stable. It's it's sad to see that faction kind of die off, but I think they did it well. And I agree. I definitely should have gotten physical with negative one, at least cock his arm back like he's going to hit him uh, and then maybe be held back by somebody. But I, I did like that they did that bit. Um, but I saw a lot of people complaining on the Internet that it was like barely mentioned on Dynamite the dynamite right afterwards and you know they wish that there was more focus on that but there's only so much tv time and if you're gonna fit those seven young bucks versus death triangle matches in you can't you know you can't showcase everything yeah and again i think they did like a little backstage bit to show like all of uh LaFaction de Indigo Brunales together and Preston there in a suit, but they didn't really get too far and it. it might have been like 30 seconds on last week's Dynamite, but it was one of those like blink if you miss it sort of deals. No, I might have uh, forward through it then, yeah. Yeah, um, but it was a really good piece of business. Uh, I hope they do something more with the whole crew. And uh, you mentioned Hangman's part of the Dark Order kind of adjacently, right? And isn't Colt Cabana part of the Dark Order as well? What about him? He's going to get everyone back together. He's back on TV as a regular, right? <laughs> well, no, I, I said that he Colt Cabana, it was, it was always just going to be a Ring of Honor guy. That absolutely wasn't like a change or something. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, Hangman was never in the Dark Order. He was always Dark Order adjacent. And... Uh, Colt stopped being an interesting member of the Dark Order, and I use interesting very loosely, but he stopped being interesting back when, uh, uh, remember when Brody was trying to kind of ingratiate Colt into the Dark Order? He would kind of tell Colt to go to the back before they did anything like nefarious. You know, he would only show uh, Colt Cabana like the good things we're doing and we're having good clean matches okay now you go backstage and now we're going to start cheating which I thought was always a cool little wrinkle to the to the Mr. Brody Lee character but I think that was the last time Colt Cabana ever had anything interesting on television yeah it's been a while yeah 
All right, so I am up again, and I'm going to stick with AEW. Surprise, surprise. Not that I didn't watch any WWE. I did watch SmackDown because you're like, oh, watch SmackDown, LA Knight. And I watched it, and I watched Raw, and I'm sad that they're turning Alexa back into a spooky person, and I don't want to talk about it. But what I am going to talk about is the FTR versus the Acclaimed. And I don't know why I put a the in front of FTR, but uh, the uh, the Revival versus the Acclaimed. So I didn't know they were where they were going with this match. I was almost questioning why you were giving it away on free TV. You know, like mm-hmm. this is something that you could have built up to and thrown on a pay-per-view. Um, but I love the match. I bought into a lot of the false finishes, especially towards the end of the match when FTR hit the big rig. And I believe like whoever they hit it on, the other guy was like dispatched to the out- outside the ring. So y- you knew that there wasn't going to be a save on that pinfall, but we got a surprise kick out. Uh, and the acclaim won, which was like, again, I didn't know where they were going to go with it. You know, you could make a case either way because if the acclaim loses, well, all right, they had a short run, but they lost to AEW's best tag team, you know? And with Acclaim winning, you know, that further elevates them, makes them look even better. Like, as they were super over for their mic work and they're good in the ring, but getting a win over the Acclaim, over, got over FTR, uh, only makes them look better. And obviously FTR doesn't lose anything in that loss. So I really like that main event. It was a, it was a good time. I didn't know what was going to happen, and that's a rarity in a lot of these title matches. Yeah, so I thought this was a really good match. I thought they were going to do something screwy because they had set it up the week before on Rampage where um, Double J and Jay Lethal came out and the Ass Boys came out, and I thought there was going to be a whole thing where, like, all those teams get involved, and they were involved, like, they were watching whatever, um, and that they were going to make it, like, a four-corner match or something. Yeah. a claim we're going to like pin the ass boys just to kind of write them off of whatever. Cause I still think there's like a money match to be had, at least on TV somewhere of doing double J and J lethal against the acclaimed, but I'm with you. Like I bid on a ton of the false finishes, uh, even though I maybe knew that the acclaimed were going to win because FTR came out with boo boo faces. Um, you know, not to say that they're like the most jovial guys in the world, but there was a little extra pout on both of them as they came out. Um, but it helps the acclaimed. Like acclaimed is a homegrown act. You need to start kind of focusing more on those as opposed to guys that you've picked, guys and gals that you picked up from the World Wrestling Entertainment. But Dynamite was really good this week, like match wise. Like this match, and I don't know if it's on your list to talk about later, but Samoan Joe versus uh, Darby, Darby yeah. Allen. Samoa Joe versus Darby would have been on my list if it wasn't for the FTR claim match because the uh, goddamn man Darby fucking figures out new and interesting ways to hurt himself in a match <laughs> and Samoa Joe looked like even more of a killer than he normally does like that was the best way to use Samoa Joe put him in there with guys that will bump the fuck out of themselves and it makes Samoa Joe look even better uh, yeah so that was a great match too. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that was the old Samoan Joe. The Samoan Joe we haven't seen in a long time, and it was awesome. Yeah. But uh, going back to the FTR, FT, the FTR is their new name because I keep saying it that way. Going back to them boo-boo facing, like, you're walking out with, with three titles and six belts. Fucking what do you got to be fucking pouting about, you know? Everything. Oh, they, they've been hanging around Phil too much. That's their problem. Everybody's been hanging around Phil too much. Yeah, I haven't. 
So um, as good as these matches were on Dynamite this week, the best thing on Dynamite was the Ricky Starks promo on MJF. Uh, again, I don't know if this is on your list, but um, now see, this is my ignorance because the Dynamite Diamond Ring means so little. <laughs> Uh, that I thought the Battle Royal was to see who wins the Dynamite Diamond Ring, but it's to set up a match next week to take on MJF, who has the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, right? And we'll get to that. But then MJ, as soon as the match is over, MJF comes out, and he cuts his standard boilerplate cookie-cutter promo. And after last week's bad promo... I literally have been, like, in my head, like, thinking to myself of, like, things that people could say to cut MJF down. And I swear to Christ, like, 50% of what I was thinking was all the stuff that Ricky Stark said, okay? Whether it be the shitty clothes, being a fake rich guy, um, him, you know, claiming that Ricky Starks is, like, a third-rate rock, where MJF is a fifth-rate Roddy Piper. Um, But fucking Ricky killed MJF on the mic, made him look like a clown, made me believe just for a little bit of a second. And I assume what they're going to do is because they're in Texas next week and the week after is that Ricky is going to beat MJF and win the dynamite diamond ring next week. And it's going to be like, Oh man, can he do it two in a row? And he can't, and he won't win the title the week after. I know there's a lot of people that are saying that Ricky's super hot right now and they should hit and do whatever it is, but obviously they have a plan with MJF. Everybody loves MJF. He's the future of the business. He's the greatest wrestler of all time, and he's working me with all of his promos, and I'm just stupid. That being said, um, I want MJF to hold the title at least until whenever the Eddie Kingston promo is, because (laughs) as much as Ricky ate MJF alive... When he gets in the ring with Eddie, MJF is going to cry. Yeah, he's, he's going to shook. <laughs> he's going to be shook, man. And I also think, um, you know, as part of Ricky's promo, and if th- this is like, this is like 4D chess, as they say, that MJF purposely had a shitty haircut this week, or like mm-hmm. his normal haircut just looked like a little lopsided or off, so Ricky could make fun of it. Yeah. I agree with, I'd say, just about everything you said regarding the promo, uh, regarding the fact that he's going to win. And he, I mean, Ricky Starks, he's going to win the Dynamite Diamond Ring and then lose the the world title match. Um, I, I will just say a couple things of opinion here. I kind of wish that Ricky Starks wasn't MJF's first opponent as new champ because you know that there's zero chance that Starks is winning that belt off of MJF. You know, MJF's going to have to have a little bit of a reign. So I kind of wish that they had given like a, a token baby face that's already established but is never going to be world champ a shot at it, you know. Uh, even if it's no disrespect, even if it was like Dustin Rhodes, you know, have a, a quick month-long program with Dustin leading up to a title match. And then save Ricky Starks for a little bit down the road where you might think that he has a chance of winning. You know, and you could still do the dynamite diamond ring and just do like they did the last three years and have it be about a royal to actually give the ring out. I don't know why all of a sudden it's something that MJF defends. It, I think that's it, a stupid. It, so it always right. has been. It just I forgot because the dynamite diamond ring means that little. I no, went. It, I I went. And I really? looked it up at the previous. So the very first one, 
Uh, it was the two people that were the last two in the Battle Royal the following week wrestled in a singles match. And then since then, the other ones have been a Battle Royal to see who gets the wrestle max for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Oh, geez. All right. See, right. That, uh, I agree with you. It's it's so insignificant. <laughs> and that that's the thing. It's so insignificant, I completely forgot. Yeah. And going back to the promo, the MJF and Ricky Starks promo. When you and I roll our eyes and almost fall down dizzy from how much we're rolling our eyes at all the people that are like, MJF is the greatest talker in wrestling, maybe even the greatest of all time. Those people obviously can't be helped. But this maybe if they watch this promo and they see that if you put MJF in a ring with a mic across from somebody who just isn't doing the, oh, I'm going to beat you up promo, you know, and he actually has somebody who is going to go back at him, like you mentioned, Eddie Kingston, like Ricky Starks, and kind of expose MJF as maybe not being as good as they think he is. Uh, maybe those people aren't going to think that MJF is the greatest of all time, you know, because so often MJF is cutting a promo against somebody who's not going to sass back to him. It's going to be like, uh-huh. you know, Moxley's not going to sass back to him. You know, Jericho's not going to do it on par of somebody like Eddie Kingston. So this is the first time that there was somebody that was more, more entertaining, more jokey, but in like a not reused joke kind of way. And I loved every bit of it. And, the spear that ended the promo where, uh, you know, MJF obviously kicked Ricky Starks in the dick and then Starks retaliated with the spear and it knocked the shoes off of Max out into the crowd. I love that bit. Like it was credit to both of them for that, but uh, good. I was going to say, I agree. It was, it was a great piece of business. Yeah. And like I said, you, (laughs) if they keep putting MJF out there with people like Ricky Starks and then Eddie Kingston, Maybe that's going to be damaging to MJF, his whole brand, and maybe they're not going to do Eddie Kingston. Maybe this is bad for Eddie. Have you ever so, thought about that? Okay. So I'll say this. Uh, you know, I, I I think Max is good for like four out of ten promos, okay? Which is, you know, better than a lot of people. But for someone who's supposed to be the next gu- the next gift of talking into a microphone for professional wrestling, he should be ten out of ten, right? He's yeah. four. <laughs> I think if he's in the ring with a guy like Ricky Starks and even like Danielson, okay, and whatever your opinion of people is, like every like the knock on Danielson for years was that like he's great at the in-ring stuff, but he's horrible at promos, which is bullshit. Danielson has been great at promos for like 16, 15 years. Everybody else just sucks and has this weird standard when it comes to him. But I think like Danielson is gonna just be able to hang in there. And here's the thing: if MJF is across the ring from guys like a Ricky Starks, like a Danielson, like an Eddie Kingston, then MJF can't rely on the low-hanging fruit. He'll actually have to go and step up his game and go for that 10 out of 10 that I know he can do, but everyone else already thinks that he can do and he doesn't. Yeah. And Danielson is great at promos, but he's not a ha-ha guy. You know, he hasn't been since like the the yes, like the yes, 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 hell no stuff. He's a guy that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sell a pay-per-view to you. I'm going to sell this match or I'm going to explain my motivations and I'm going to do it competently. He's not out there to give you quotable jokes and it's completely different promos. But there's a lot of people out there on the Internet that think that if you don't have a bunch of zangy like one-liners, it wasn't a good promo. And that's, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. It's different yeah. types. But. I agree. 
Anyways, I look forward to the match. You know, uh, like you said, Ricky Starks winning that diamond ring, not winning the title. But is that all you got? No, I got one more. You got anything else? No, I got nothing. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Raw this week. Uh, I thought Raw was fun this week. Um, I liked the through line of the show being JBL's poker invitational tournament. See, I was mad because NXT has a professional poker player in Duke Hudson. He should have been there and he should have won the whole thing. Well, he wasn't invited. They were scared. Um, <laughs> but like, I, it was just like a fun little thing, a through line to the show. You know, WWE obviously is, is different form of sports entertainment and it sets up the Dominic versus Tozawa match, which was really bad. Sets up the six man with AJ Gallows and Anderson uh, against Corbin and Alpha Academy. It sets up the deal with Loomis and the money. It sets up him being like, you know, that it brings back the axe from the NXT stuff, right? Yeah. And I like the bit with Miz and uh, JBL where like, JBL is a heel and like I really haven't liked a lot of the JBL stuff in this run I feel as though it's a detriment and he's overshadowing Corbin in all of their stuff out there mm-hmm. and I like the JBL Miz stuff where like Miz was trying to like flaunt his wealth or whatever it was and JBL was just there to be like eh, you know cryptocurrency whatever uh, that's not a real Rolex. The hand actually sweeps instead of ticks. But anyway, like just the little things like that. I thought that like that sort of character stuff out of JBL helps a character more than I'm going to do my full I'm a wrestling god thing and overshadow the guy that I'm paired with. Yeah, uh, but again, with the Miz stuff, this is the second time in very recent history we're doing a bit where a guy is down on his uh, down on his luck and lost his money. So it's not exactly the most original storytelling in WWE. Uh, there's there's seven stories in WWE, and it's it's a, <laughs> on a different character, and that that not was even on a different show. <laughs> that was right. That was on SmackDown, and WWE's logic is that the same people that watch SmackDown don't watch Raw, so it's a new storyline. <sighs> All right, yeah. <laughs> I'm go- listen. You got to apply WWE logic to WWE storylines. You can't apply human logic to WWE storylines. No, I got you. I got you. And, and I'll, I'll just, just. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I got one last thing about WWE, and then we can move on to. Uh, 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 does Joe the know the card? Something. Yeah. Uh, I-, I was just gonna say. Uh, speaking of WWE logic. Uh, and a lot of people probably expected that I was going to spend a lot of time on the show talking about this, but like Tegan Knox returned on SmackDown this past week. Right. And, and I said to myself, I was like, man, she's been gone a long time. Like I remember when Dakota Kai like took her out backstage at NXT and she hasn't been seen since then. And then I like reminded myself like a little while later that, oh no, she just inexplicably went from like returning to attack Dakota in NXT to just being Shotzi's tank buddy and then was released. And I completely forgot all of her main roster stuff. Uh, but she showed up again on SmackDown kind of dressed like a, a random creator wrestler and uh, yeah, Tegan's back. Yay. Yay. Um, <laughs> and the only other thing is an update in the uh, LA Knight feud with some other guy. Um, LA Knight was not on TV this week. Um, they did do a recap video of all the times that people conspired in at least uh, 20-on-1 backstage attacks against LA Knight. 
Um, and in the Uncle Howdy video, there was no phone number to call, but there was definitely some audio that was backward masked. And I'll call a phone number, but I'm not going to de-backward mask your backward masked message. I'll just take your word for it that it was something spooky. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a ringtone maker, but I'm not uploading that file or figuring that out. I'll send but, it to Todd. He's got it. Yeah. But you know what you can also send to Todd? The pay-per-view that's this weekend, Joe. What? It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That's right. I did not pop for the jingle this week. Maybe next time. But Joe, Ring of Honor has a pay-per-view this weekend. Final battle uh, starting at a very reasonable time of 4 p.m. for some reason. But Joe, do you know the card? 4 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. And I should say this, according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, there are seven matches, none of which are on the pre-show, even though there is one. But yes, 4 o'clock on a Saturday. I think there's going to be at least three matches in the pre-show. We'll find out what they are maybe on Rampage. Who knows? Okay. I think I know this. All right? Yep. So we got Jericho versus Claudio for the ROH title. And if Casanoli loses? Uh, He has to join the Jericho Appreciation Society and wear a purple hat. Yes. All right. Um, Which Okay, we'll we'll get to predictions and stuff afterwards. Uh, We have Garcia taking on Wheeler Yuta for the pure title. That's two. We have Mercedes Martinez taking on Athena for the women's title. That's three. Uh, we have the, and I'm sticking with you, and you're calling them the FTR because they <laughs> love they love Mr. Hitman so much, who would refer to uh, WCW as the WCW, and when talking about the uh, August WWE pay-per-view, he would say the SummerSlam, specifically his match in the SummerSlam. Yeah, it's exactly uh, why. <laughs> right. So it's the FTR versus the Briscoes in a double dog collar match for the tag titles. That's four. Uh, Dalton Castle and the boys against the three guys that Prince Nana manages for the six-man <laughs> titles. And I know you're going to ask me, it's Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony. Yep. Can't don't ask me what the Gates of Agony's names are, because I don't know. Uh, Bishop Khan? Kwan? Khan? And Toa Leona. I'm taking your word for it. Yeah. And that's, that's five I got, right? Yep. You have There's two, uh, two more. more. Hmm. I'd say that's pretty good. It's it's solid. Joe, who is the king of all television wrestling? Oh, oh Samoan Joe is defending the TV title against uh, Juice Robinson. That's rock hard Juice Robinson. Rock hard Juice Robinson, sure. Yes. And uh, we had Keith Lee getting challenged on a recent episode of something on AEW. Do you know Uh, that one? Yes. So it's Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland against Shane Taylor Promotions. Yes. And you already know half of that team because he said the name of the promotion. Right. I don't know the other guy. 
uh, J.D. Griffey, according nope. to Wikipedia. Yeah. But, Joe, take it from the top of the card and work your way down. Chris Jericho versus Claudio. What's going to happen? Jericho wins, and then we get a bunch of skits of uh, Claudio rebelling against the Jericho Appreciation Society. Yeah, and he'll get to wear the hat, which is the most over thing about uh, about <laughs> J.K. Gar ever. So I need like weeks of multiple backstage segments of Daddy Magic bullying Claudio. Yeah, until like whatever the day the tables turn and he can rebel and yada yada. But I, I only agree want this- it. I only want it for eight to twelve weeks. That's it. <laughs> Okay, any particular reason 8 to 12 weeks? Just because, you know, that's like to the next pay-per-view cycle. Okay. Uh, Garcia versus Yuta for the pure. Garcia retains. See, I can kind of justify that they botched the whole Garcia, is he joining the Blackpool Combat Club? Is he a wrestler? Is he a JAS guy, sports entertainer? And the fact that you're going to have Claudio go down 0-2 in his matches with Jericho, I can see them throwing the Blackpool Combat Club a bone and giving that back to Yuta. I think with the loss of Regal, um, you need to put the Blackpool Combat Club like low. You know what I mean? Like, the loss of Regal and the betrayal has shook them. Or if you want to go by that vignette, which is supposedly saying that Regal did it all to make them stronger, and now they're more capable teachers and they're able to teach Yuta what it takes to, to be successful, you could say that his final lesson was enough to get Yuta over the hump. Let's see how that works out for them. All right. Um, hey, Joe, did you know there's a Ring of Honor women's champion? I did, and I think Athena is going to win it. Yeah, because uh, as much as we see the TV title and the tag titles with the FTR and the Jericho Appreciation Society with all those belts, uh, you can maybe throw Mercedes on TV leading up to this pay-per-view. I don't know, but uh, I agree. Um, at least Athena has been beating the shit out of people on the YouTube shows and occasionally yeah. on TV. So uh, you got to throw her a bone. Throw some of these good talents that you've had for a little while that you aren't using like her and Ruby Soho. And let's start pushing them up a little bit, you know? Well, Ruby just came back. She had the broken nose. If you remember from the pay-per-view, oh, no, I get you, but I'm saying like, let's start elevating them. You know? Well, uh, there's a bit on rampage this week with Ruby and Tay Mello. So that's going. And I think Mercedes has been hurt too. That's why she's been off TV. Okay. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can at least have her do a sit down. Every freaking woman has gotten seven sit downs in the last three weeks. No, that's just that's just Soraya and Britt Baker. They're the only two women that are allowed to talk on TV. Tony Storm. Oh Hater. yeah, she that Tony Storm one from Rampage was real good. Yeah, and Hater just had one. Yeah. So everybody except for Mercedes and all right. Anyways, it's not like I'm a Mercedes fan at all. Not in the least bit, but I mean, let's, let's expose something to people. Joe, how, how are you going to get the casuals? What if somebody just casually turns on the ring of honor pay-per-view and was like, who is this person? You know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Samoa Joe, Juice Robinson, Joe's retaining. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that's a uh, foregone conclusion. Uh oh, the six man's actually on on the line. Dalton Castle and the boys versus the embassy. I I didn't know that was the belt. Yeah, I'm. 
I, I they need to fold they, that into the trios belt. They don't need two of them. Yeah, I, I well, the trios belt are in the best of seven series right now. I say keep it on Dalton and the boys for now. Yeah. And FTR obviously beats the Briscoes because the Briscoes can't go on TV. Ah, uh, my dark horse picks pick is the Briscoes win. All right. Is it true that there's because of all the shit they've said in the past and yada yada that they literally can't be on Dynamite? Or yes. is that just me reading so much on the internet? It's true. That's that's said enough by enough people that it's true to be true. Yeah. Okay. Well, good idea to put your belts on them. We'll see. But. We're supposed to get the announcement of ROH TV, and hopefully it's um, uh, on a network that has that are, is okay having flagship, flagship people on their show um, who have a history of homophobic and racist remarks. Yeah. I'm uh, thinking OAN or Fox <laughs> News. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, it, I'm shocked that it's just not on YouTube at this point, but we'll see. At, at what point does it become, like, is they're all like, oh, no, Ring of Honor is not going to be a YouTube show. That's going to be on cable. But, like, if you put it on one of these D-list networks that is so far down the dial, using a very old term, like, at what point is it just better to just put it on YouTube? Like, that's where the youngs watch their TV. There's no. I don't know. I think in everyone's up. mind, there need, like Ring of Honor needs to be on. Like wrestling needs to be on TV. Um, and that's you know, they haven't figured out that the you like it needs to be on YouTube Shorts, if anything. But that's another <laughs> conversation for another day. Yeah. Oh, I hate those things. Every fucking YouTube video is like a TikTok now. I know. I fucking hate it too. Yeah. All right. But I, I guess it's an interesting pay per view. Might be the second aid or Ring of Honor AEW pay per view I skip, we'll say. But uh, Joe, you assigned me homework. That's right, I did. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right, Joe, you assigned me an episode of WCW Thunder from March 22nd, 2000. Explain yourself. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, episode of Nitro that you assigned from 2000. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a lot of fun, and of course, you know, there was Stacy Keebler bits in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there was the formation and split with Stacy Keebler, Miss Hancock, from uh, Standards and Practices, now known as Excess. And I'm like, oh, I remember this angle having a payoff. So I went and I looked up, and I'm like, oh, here's the episode of Thunder where this angle gets paid off. So I'm like, that's what we're watching. Excellent. All right. Well, I mean, it's normally my job to assign bad shows, but with the fact that it's masked by a Stacy Keebler bit, that's kind of like when you're hiding like your dog's medicine inside of a hot dog. I'll take it. <laughs> and I, I, I also want to say um, there may be um, discussion of me working myself into a shoot again, but we'll get into it. 
All right. So obviously, uh, we have friends that uh, that promote this thing. We're gonna go go check out Kevin Hellion's Mass Libraries write up and see. I don't say these things, so I messed it up. Right. But yeah, he has a write up about it. I'm a little upset that he only dedicated like. I don't know, three sentences to the whole Miss Hancock thing. I would have expected a, a much better deep dive from Kevin. So get with it, you know? But anyways, lots of crowd signs of people complaining that they're at the show, Joe. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> what do you like, mean complaining that they're at the show? Like there's people with signs like, like I'd rather be at SmackDown and like this is on tv or end this match like lots of signs like that like i can imagine it's like people saying that they're gonna go to AEW just to boo it like you already gave them your money you might as well fucking enjoy it the sign of the night for me was the guy in the aisle way that had the sign that said flair is flabby i was a big fan of that guy <laughs> yeah all right so lots of stuff going on in this show so stop me if i kind of go past something you want to talk about. But the show opens up with a recap of Sid turning on Hogan uh, in their match with uh, against Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner. So a lot of the storyline of the show is going to be Sid and Hogan. But the first time we go to the ring, Tank Abbott is there with an open challenge and straight out of Dudleyville comes Fit Finley. All right. Uh, I need to interrupt you there because we have the Thunder yeah. opening, right? Okay. Uh, so in the Thunder opening... Um, we get shots of Brett the Hitman Hart, who hasn't been on TV in three months. Yeah. We get shots of Goldberg, who hasn't been on TV in three months. And we get multiple shots in the opening credits of Oklahoma. <laughs> and probably Nash, who hadn't been on TV for a little while, right? Uh, Nash was at least, like, around, right? But he definitely wasn't on TV, you know? Like... There was a but like Mr. Hitman does come back in like two weeks, but we don't see like Goldberg had not been on TV since the Nitro after Starcade in nine in December of ninety nine, and I don't think he pops back up on TV until July of two thousand. Taking a vacation, you know, he has those long grueling matches. He needs to rest his bones. Yes, but anyway, so I mentioned Tank Abbott open challenge. Out comes Fit Finley. They fight for a little, then Mang comes out, and then there's a DQ and a brawl, and that's pretty much it. I'm good. Yep. Uh, Hogan and Sid are, like, fighting backstage, and uh, that's, again, part two of 27 Hogan and Sid things. Uh, And then we get Mean Gene with Finley in the ring, and the fight from backstage kind of spills out into the crowd. Um, But, like, before that, Tank Abbott is... uh, Finley says Tank Abbott's green, needs to show respect, but eventually Sid gets down to ringside. Uh, Finley takes exception with the fact that, uh, you know, he's interrupting his mic time. He gets chokeslammed for his troubles. And then Sid, in an effort to kind of explain why he turned on Hogan, shows a series of, like, clips on the 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 titantron or whatever uh but he talks over all of it so i don't know what anybody's saying like i can't hear the original audio from the evidence we're being shown but at the same time i also can't hear sid because he's like talking over that it's just a whole mess so i don't know why he turned on him other than the fact that it's hogan and why would you want to be friends with him okay um so this show is plagued by production nightmares similar to what you had mentioned um the the idea of it was that hogan kept sticking his nose in business where it didn't belong nobody asked 
Hogan to come and help Sid in the title match. Nobody asked Sid or Hogan to interrupt Sid at the press conference after the pay-per-view. So Sid asked Hogan to be his partner so he could pay him back for those previous two times. Um, I also want to mention the brawl with Sid was very funny to me because Sid was wearing the belt the whole time while they were brawling. It's extra and, protection. Why wouldn't you? And okay, well, yes, because as they're brawling, Hogan would Irish whip Sid into the barricade, and Sid would like go torso first into the barricade, so the belt was absorbing all of the uh, the shots into the barricade. Smart man. <laughs> as they're cutting the promos on each other, uh, Hogan's outside the ring, and Sid is in the ring holding Mean Gene hostage. And I use hostage very loosely. He was very gingerly holding onto Mean Gene's tie, and then eventually, like a minute later, Mean Gene just kind of like walked away from him. Yeah, he's like, I'm enough. Gene's like, enough of this. You know, I'm not uh, selling this for ten minutes. <laughs> but Sid calls Hogan a, tells him to get his bald headed ass in the ring, and I thought that was a funny line. <laughs> But uh, they mentioned that WCW asked a bunch of their wrestlers what they thought about the Sid Hogan thing. So you get a yes. lot of little brief vignettes of a bunch of different random wrestlers. Uh, we, we first get Buff Bagwell. He talks about Sid. Uh, I forget what he said. I don't care. And then we cut to the NWO. And I use that term very loosely of Jeff Jarrett, Big Papa Pump. And the Harris brothers uh, backstage with the freaks, and they basically say that Buff Bagwell is a kiss-ass. Right, we get a five-second promo from the NWO, and goddammit, put some respect on their name. It's the NWO Elite, goddammit. <laughs> I thought it was NWO 2000. Well, it, was, it, it went from 2000 to the Elite, once Mr. Hitman and Kevin Nash were gone. Okay, this is quite possibly the-, the least elite usage of the word elite ever been done. Um, no, this is the peak and pinnacle of the word elite being used in the world of professional wrestling. I can't think of another example where it was used to this, uh, this, uh, caliber. Oh, so Joe, uh, quick question, sidebar. Uh, if you had to choose between watching, uh, a wrestling match or even just being in the company of, uh, let's just say, let me pick at random, maybe the young bucks uh-huh. or your other choice is Ronald and Donald, the Harris brothers. Uh, which one are you picking, Joe? Go on the uh- record. Ronald and Donald. Ooh. All right, you go. All right. <laughs> Interesting. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Joe Sposto associating with the Harris brothers willingly. All right. If my only choice is the Harris brothers or the or the Jackson brothers. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. So next up, we have Mean Gene with the American Nightmare, Dustin Ooh. Rhodes. Yeah. Did you mention that we got the uh, fit f- or the the Brian Knobs "Don't Try This at Home, Stay in School" promo? Joe, I, I have to admit, and I'm ashamed. Uh, the allure of the cock got me again. God I, damn I, it! I watched. I, I jumped on the cock and I watched, and I can't resist it. I, it's I, almost <laughs> like I went through the painstaking trouble. Of illegally acquiring an original <laughs> airing of the show, and to uploading it and sharing it with as many people as I can. <laughs> yeah, but like it's not like the fact that I didn't watch it added any extra work to it. You still needed to get it for yourself. You got it for Kevin. You got it right. for anybody else that wanted a direct link to it. So it's, the extra step was maybe putting it in the Dropbox. But again, you know, that's not on me. All right. Brian Nobbs tells us, don't try this at home, and t- tells us to stay in school. Brian Nobbs. 
<laughs> oh, that's scholar. All right. So, so I, yeah, I'll, I'll have to interject with the stuff that you missed. Yeah, and I, I read in Kevin's write-up that there was another NitroGirl.com commercial, and I'm sad I missed oh. it. Hopefully it was the same one, you know? Anyways, uh, back to the American Nightmare, Dustin Rhodes. I had no idea that that was a thing that happened. So I remember Dustin Rhodes in this era, but I just completely forgot that uh, Cody stole that name. But Dustin Rhodes is going to extract Hogan from his very existence. And then, yeah, pretty much that's it with that promo. So you're looking forward to Hogan versus Dustin Rhodes later in the show. Any other thoughts on the former natural? Yeah, I just thought it was funny that Dustin was calling himself the American Nightmare here. And uh, Cody doesn't have an original bone in his goddamn body. I remember when, like, when Cody got fired and he did those vignettes that he was joining the Bullet Club. It was like him in a suit with the the cigar and the gun sitting on the table. And it had, like, the, the splash at the end. It was like the American Nightmare Cody. I was like, that's a relatively clever name. You know what? I'll give him that. And I didn't realize that all those years earlier that Dustin did it first. But, oh, well, shame on Cody. Anyways, next we have Hogan talking to Jimmy Hart. There's a lot of this in the show. Uh, and they say that oh, all these people are just coming out of the woodwork to, to face Hogan. Yeah, we're good there. All right. Next up, Joe, one of the best parts of the show. And we have three count dancing in the ring on their spots. Those dastardly heels, the young dragons, come out and deprive the entire viewing audience of three count dancing. Uh, Jamie Noble, or I'm sorry, uh, Jamie-san is wearing a Zorro mask for some reason. But uh, three count wins in what I'll say was like a banger of a four-minute match. For WCW in 2000, this is about as exciting as it gets. And uh, so three count wins and then starts to dance again. Once again, jump by those dastardly heels, the Young Dragons. And they steal the circles, leading me to wonder, can I buy one of those circles? Uh, I, I add parenthetically. I thought it was hilarious in his write-up that Kevin called them dancing surfaces <laughs> as opposed to their circles. But yeah. I, commentary missed a crucial thing. So three counts in the ring and they're dancing and Shane Helms is wearing a mask. And I'm like, oh, is this like a foreshadowing of him becoming the hurricane? But I remember he had previously stolen the mask off of Jamie-san and he was wearing the mask to taunt him. Jamie-san just comes out and wears a new mask the next week. And then they steal the circles from three count. This builds up to a match where three counts gold record is hanging above the ring for a ladder match. I think I assigned that on a homework. I think you may have. Yeah, because I have fond memories of... I like the Young Dragons and, and Three Count. More so Three this Count. Is, this but. is a fun, bright spot in this era of World Championship Wrestling, yes. Yeah. Uh, next up backstage, we have a very recently debuted Hard Knocks Chris Candido being interviewed by Mean Gene. Uh, Chris Candido wants the Cruiserweight belt because, you know, he's had three-way dances with, like, Vern Gagne and old wrestlers and carl gotch in japan (laughs) yeah i was about to name the vaude villains i was like no (laughs) not that old but yeah so candido a bit of a exaggerator uh i guess he had just debuted a few days before and uh he's having a wcw run so good for him indeed cash those checks baby yep uh, we have a Hugh Morris thing where he says he supports Sid. Who cares? And next up, we have Chris Candido, Hard Knocks Chris Candido versus Chavo Guerrero, back when Chavo was on his original head of hair. Uh, 
This was watched on initially by the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea and Paisley. Uh, Paisley is sent down to do commentary and holds her own. She does a pretty good job of putting over the artist. Says that the artist will select his challenger, even though this match was supposed to determine the number one contender uh, for the cruiserweight belt. Uh, eventually, like Candido takes like a really sick bump where he was like splashed to the outside and he just landed on his stomach, which was pretty cool. And the artist came out and with interference of Paisley kind of did a, a, a top rope move of some kind that he almost barely hit the guy and Chavo wins. So uh, the artist eliminates Candido because he wants to face Chavo. Uh, I'm a fan of any Russo era gimmick. And at this point, the Russo era is literally October to mid-December of 1999. So a nice two-month-and-a-week window um, mm. where any character that was developed during that time frame is still lingering in this era of WCW. And that's what the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea is. Yeah, but I, I like that angle. Like, I like that. It's a clever angle or character. I don't care what anybody it's a, says. It's a clever name, and then it ends at that. You know what that's, I mean? Like, sometimes Prince IAK was never good. Uh, he doesn't act like anything like Prince other than wearing, like, a purple suit. There was so much meat on the bone, but Prince IAK wasn't good enough, and Vince Russo wasn't smart enough to do anything with it. Well, he, he had the first name Prince, so you, you're kind of <laughs> – they couldn't give this gimmick to, to Scott Steiner, you know? Right. <laughs> All right. Anybody who is listening to this podcast with headphones, I suggest maybe you turn the volume down a little bit or uh, <laughs> take them out of your ear. But it's Miss Hancock! <laughs> we get a slow pan up of uh, some of her assets, and she says that someone is driving her wild – Joe, how did WCW go out of business? It makes no sense. It really doesn't. They tease uh, that Miss Hancock is going to be coming up next. And, uh, yeah, probably one of the best 20 seconds of television, like, in wrestling history until, like, the next Miss Hancock scene. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next we have NWO is backstage once again. Steiner is uh, pushing up a barbell that doesn't have any weights on it, but he has some of the freaks kind of gently pressing down on it. I don't know if the illusion is supposed to be that he's like bench pressing their fake boobs, uh, because they certainly weren't like pressing down or leaning anywhere, but, uh, come on, big Papa pump. Even I can lift that bar. Um, so next up we have team XS, which is the former standards and practices. They come out and they're not even in the ring yet. And we hit miss Hancock's theme music, uh, she comes out and she grabs the mic and she introduces the men that'll make the ladies squeal and squirm. Uh, the biggest heartthrob since Ricky Martin, Los Fabulosos, Silver King and El Dandy. <laughs> I love every bit of this, Joe. Uh, they have a match. Who cares about the match? But Miss Hancock is on commentary. Bobby Heenan keeps trying to steal a peek at her ass. And like, he's, caught, he's caught at one point, and he's like, oh, I was just signing an autograph when Tanae called him on it. 
<laughs> and Mike today is like, you've never sold, signed an autograph in your life. And uh, again, this won't fly in 2000 or in 2022, but it was a different time. And with Bobby Heenan, he could do whatever he wants, but he kept trying to get Miss Hancock to sit on his lap, uh, kept offering her to sit down. Uh, but eventually, like, again, things were happening in the ring, allegedly, but Los Fabulosos win. And then Miss Hancock starts to dance and then they go to commercial. And Joe, I ask one more time, how did WCW go out of business? This should have been like the entire through line of the show. There may have been a previous skit on an episode of WCW Saturday night where we don't see who Miss Hancock is with, but she takes them out shopping to get those outfits at like a fancy suit store. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Dandy and uh, Silver King are wearing like full body suits. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're consistently referred to as Latin America's most desirable duo. Tanae is incredulous, and you and Bobby Heenan now have something in common. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, and then also I forgot to mention. So part of I you may not have noticed the subtlety of it. But as excess are coming out to the ring, they're very like vaudeville b- over the top, looking to see where all the rizats are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't notice that. I was I, when I saw them coming out, I knew what was happening next, and I was a little bit too distracted. Yes, but goddamn man, oh Miss Hancock, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna say it right now. All time highest ranked Adam Van Special. Of all time, okay, yeah, I, 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 nobody comes close. Nobody could like Alexa. Who I'll say that right now. When it comes to Miss holy Hancock. shit, yeah, yeah, wouldn't give her a second look, Miss Hancock. Now again, I want to specify. I'm not talking about Stacy Keebler, because Stacy Keebler might lose to Alexa Bliss, but Miss Hancock. You have to recognize the distinction here. Miss Hancock beats all. Now, do you make a distinction between Stacy Keebler, Miss Hancock, and Nitro Girl Sky? See, Nitro Girl Sky, I think you know, that I, I have very little memory other than a couple still photos. But if you want to okay. go down this rabbit hole, I'm going to say the Duchess of Dudleyville <laughs> is just slightly edged out by Super Stacy. Uh, and then you have regular, like, off-brand Stacy Keebler. And then, you know, you go down to the Nitro Girl. And if you want to go into the weeds even further, you could say, like, Baltimore Ravens cheerleader. Uh, but... I've done a lot of thought and research in the topic, Joe. Oh, you certainly have. Yes. <laughs> but alas, we did not get to see Miss Hancock fully dance. Uh, she was blocked out by uh, one of the two Los Lothario guys. Los Fabulosos, to- how dare Los- you? Los Fabulosos. I already deleted that note. I was deleting as I go along. But uh, God bless WCW and God bless Miss Hancock. I'll say that. Um, next up we have, and again, stop me if there's any kind of commercials or anything like that, but we have Disco Inferno ordering a pizza using like Vinny or Vito's credit card. And then the Mama Luke's come in and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I was trying to get you a match for the tag titles. And one of the Mama Luke's is like, oh no, you're, you're going to wrestle Vampiro. And Disco's like, no, I'm not a wrestler. And that was that bit. And then that gives the everyone the opportunity oh, oh. to make the joke during his match that they never thought Disco was a wrestler in the first place. Yeah. 
And uh, this is when they're kind of like, ah, they got plans for Vampiro. They're building him up. And he's the freak Vampiro currently. Yeah, and part of the Brothers in Paint. But we'll get to that. Uh, Next, we have a freshly cooked uh, Chuck Palumbo versus Big Papa Pump. Big Papa Pump. Uh, this is basically just Scott Steiner like throwing elbows at Palumbo's head for a couple minutes, and Palumbo gets a brief shine towards the end, but it's mostly just Steiner beating the hell out of him, and he wins via the Steiner recliner. I thought this was a fun match. Uh, this was, um, you know, because previously on WCW Saturday Night, Chuck Palumbo had a gimmick of a basketball player, <laughs> and then he gets the Jungle Man gimmick. Um, and this was a nice showcase for a guy who maybe at that time would have had like less than 20 matches. And to put him in the ring with a maniac like Scott Steiner, you were taking a chance. But I thought this was just fine. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look green as grass. You know, he didn't look terrible. He did what he needed to do. Uh, a couple of those shots from Steiner looked stiff. But at the same time, there's a couple of them that didn't look stiff. So maybe it was just Steiner being Steiner. And we're still a couple months away from the Natural Born Thrillers, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, another backstage thing. Kurt Hennig basically says Sid was out of line. I forget that pretty much everybody who was in the NWO who's not currently in the, in the NWO is now a babyface. Uh, so Kurt Hennig with this freshly broken arm, Sid is out of line. Uh, next, we get the Disco versus Vampiro thing. And as you mentioned, Disco is like, I'm not a wrestler, which is very true. And in what felt like the longest match I've ever seen, Vampiro wins. Uh, I don't know how Kevin said that this was a good match. I, I, I do not agree. Uh, eventually, Lex Luger and Ric Flair, team package. Okay, I, I now understand why WCW lost. Uh, team package uh, attacks Vampiro. Sting comes out for the save because they're the brothers in paint because they both wear paint. Right. Um, so, obviously, this is building up. Vi- So Disco sucks, fuck him, he's a horrible person and a shitty wrestler. But is Vampiro the worst wrestler to be pushed during the prime of the Monday Night Wars, like, consistently? He got a lot of runs, he got a lot of pushes, whether it be with Sting, or the Insane Clown Posse, or or even at the Tippy Top and Wrestling Society X. Like, he had a lot of people trying to tell us he was good. And I, I never got it. I mean, he looked cool. Yeah, he looked cool. I think his look went a long way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, more than it, more than it should have. But uh, backstage, we have Ernest the Cat Miller and his his buddy, his valet, his butler, uh, Virgil, who is not yet named as anything other than, hey, it's this guy. Uh, and basically, uh, Virgil is going to be like, carrying his shoes and putting on his coat and all that stuff. Uh, more on that in a little bit. I um, have absolutely zero memory of Virgil being Ernest the Cat Miller's second. I'm yeah, going to guess if this lasts longer than this episode of Thunder, that's longer than it had any right to go on for. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't a one and done. Uh, maybe if we revisit more of this era in the future, we'll find out, but I have no memory mm. of this either. Yeah. Well, Joe, you already said it last week. <laughs> We're going to watch something very soon after this. but uh, So we find out that Jeff Jarrett has a big U.S. title defense later in the show against Buff Bagwell. 
Uh, so right. Remember that five second promo earlier in the night where he called Buff a kiss ass? That was yeah. enough to set up that match. Makes complete sense. Yeah. Now, is Jeff Jarrett still like who is the commissioner at this point? Because I remember with that episode of Nitro we watched uh, it. The commissioner was Nash, but he put Jarrett in charge because Nash wasn't there. Like who's calling the shots in WCW on this episode of Thunder? Is it still uh, Jarrett? I can't answer that question right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe it's Miss Hancock. All right. So next up, we have Ernest the Cat Miller with Mr. Jones. We find out that that is Virgil's name, Mr. Jones, versus the dog and Brian Snugs. Get it, Joe? <laughs> it's the cat versus the dog. I know. The cat versus the dog. Only on WCW Nitro, Mike Tanay says proudly, will you have the cat versus the dog? And this was another terrible, unwatchable match. Uh, maybe making the disco match versus Vampiro look like it's five stars in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, this is really bad. Ernest the Cat Miller wins. Uh, a lot more of the dog and Brian Snugs to come. I have to make a note. Remember, it's Snugs. I forget that. My apologies, Michelle. She'll never hear this. Yeah, but DJ let her know that that lives on forever. Um. So, oh, so yeah. uh, in so uh, after this match, uh, we get a commercial for the Double J Slap Nuts T-shirt, and I want an OG Slap Nuts T-shirt. I don't want a Pro Wrestling Tees Slap Nuts T-shirt. Mm, Got to check out some of those uh those thrift stores. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so when we come back, uh, we find out that the dog, because he's a dog, Joe, uh, he tore up uh, Snugs' locker room and there's clothes everywhere. And he's, he's just a dog who's not behaving. He's a bad dog. And uh, more on that later. Uh, Norman Smiley uh, shows up. He says that he's a major player, Joe. And he needs to sue Broski over that because he coined the major player thing. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, Broski's got a good gimmick lawyer. But uh, Norman Smiley is a major player, and he needs somebody to watch his back because uh, he's been getting a lot of trouble lately. Uh, next up, we have somebody that commentary speculates may be Norman Smiley's backup. We get the demon with his big elaborate coffin entrance, which WCW commentary says is one of the most elaborate and spectacular entrances in all of wrestling. Uh, and because I listened to it on the cock, uh, I, I don't know if they were still using Kiss on the original broadcast, but I got a very mumbled Kiss-esque music to go along <laughs> with it. It was like, uh, it sounded more like the Swedish chef singing. Oh kiss, my God. That's hilarious. Out. It was like, <laughs> so that was my entrance music for the demon, but I don't care. I like Dale Torberg. I like the demon. I think it's a good look, even though it's just Gene Simmons. Uh, but we have the demon versus Hugh Morris. And at this point, Joe, I am bad matched out. Uh, this is just too many in consecutive order. Uh, like I'm getting beat down with them. Uh, Hugh Morris is still doing the goofy little, I'm a crazy silly boy. Uh, and he wins via a moonsault, which is a good moonsault. But, uh, uh, I feel bad for the demon. And I thought I'd never say that. Yeah. He kind of gets smushed out here, uh, on the original airing. Hugh Morris comes out to, 
uh, a knockoff of the zoo by I think uh, I forget the band Bruce Dickinson maybe they did a remake of it as uh, Mike Awesome's theme song in ECW the year prior. Hugh Morris just comes out to a knockoff of it. And again, this is the era because it's Kevin Sullivan booking that he's not called Hugh Morris, two words. He's called humorous, one word. Even though it's still like spelled on the Chiron as yes. two separate words. Yeah. Whenever and Kevin Sullivan is booking, he's called humorous, one word. Now, does Kevin Sullivan have anything to do with the fact that Scott Steiner's not Scott Steiner? He's just Big Papa Pomp and Lex Luger's the total package, but not the... Those are a lot of holdovers from the Russo stuff. Gotcha. All right. Very inconsistent. Um, So at this point, uh, Mean Gene's backstage. He's trying to get a word with the very controversial Sid Vicious. (laughs) Uh, but Sid is not there. Uh, and Joe, did you like the Buff Bagwell promo from earlier? I well, did. Here it is, here it is again. Uh, this time with extra director's commentary or director's uncut footage uh, of him getting shot down by like a production girl. So uh, uh, I guess this is like a GTV type of thing, but in WCW? It was the kid cam. Didn't it say kid cam around the border of the thing, right? Uh, see, if it did on, on the cock, I didn't notice it. Okay. But is that so, like a Billy Kidman thing? Yeah, because Billy Kidman is part of the Filthy Animals, um, and I think this is the beginning of them attempting to turn buff heel. I don't know. Um, you also did miss one more. I don't know if it was on the cock or not. Um, so after, so in between uh, the humorous match and the Sid thing, um, Brian Nobbs takes the, or I'm sorry, Brian S- Snugs, takes the dog out into the car out into a car he says we're going for a drive oh yeah i have that combined with the next vignette oh okay 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 yeah. and i have written in all caps in my notes they're writing off the dog <laughs> yeah so the dog uh, obviously because he's a dog joe he sticks his head out and uh you know he wants to like you know bite at the wind and stuff like that like dogs do but Next, we have a highlight package of the wall. They scoured all of the archives of WCW footage and found, surprisingly, they were able to narrow it down to, like, all of the wall's career highlights into, like, a 30-second video package. I don't know how they chose what to go in that video package. It must have been a very difficult decision. (laughs) I hope there's an extended cut available somewhere. Uh, but we got a little highlight package of the wall choke slamming people. Uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, next, once again, Mean Gene, hardest working man on this show, uh, is with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. And Sid's a coward. And uh, yeah, I think that was it with that segment. So, no, it wasn't. So, very specifically, Hogan tells Jimmy Hart to take off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his Hulkamaniac airbrush jacket, go put on his business suit jacket, go <laughs> hunt down Zane Breslov, and get the contract signed for him versus Sid. Yeah, because you cannot possibly sign a contract wearing an airbrushed <laughs> suit coat. Zane Breslov would not take Jimmy Mouth the Hulk, Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart seriously with the megaphone the piano keys sunglasses and an airbrush shirt he puts on the business jacket and he's a completely different man 
I know we're about 16, 17 years too early, but I feel like this would have been a great usage of Bernard the Business Bear. No. He would have just been a Bernard the Business Cub back then, though. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so, real quick before we get to the match, we did get a, 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 a wildly out-of-date uh, commercial for NitroGirls.com, uh, which does have like all the Nitro Girls introducing themselves, including Nitro Girl Sky, who she has not been Nitro Girl Sky as of this episode airing for about seven months. And, and which one was Sky again? Stacy Keebler. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Like that was her thing because I know a yes. lot of the Nitro Girls went on to become like every other valet in the company. And, yeah. They did right, and that's the thing. They all like and not like the Nitro Girls do not exist anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like Paisley was one, right? And like yep. Kimberly, obviously, and Shawn and Michaels Mike married one of them. Was with the Filthy Animals and yeah. Mrs. Jones. I forget what her Nitro Girl name was, but again, obviously, Mrs. Jones gets replaced by Mister Jones and Virgil, which is definitely a downgrade. <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta edit some of my ebay save searches because i already have like a blanket miss hancock <laughs> one on there i gotta put in a uh, nitro girl sky see if any old merch comes up okay yeah i'm gonna add that there but joe i know that this was one of the things you're most concerned about but we get a follow-up to brian snugs and the dog and Brian, uh, Brian Snugs, I apologize, I almost got his name wrong there, abandons the dog at the side of the road, uh, which I get, you, you always do to dogs that you don't want anymore. You know, kind of left them out in the middle of the country. And if I had it my way, I do not support animal cruelty in any way, Joe. But just this once, I would have made an exception. He should have put him in a sack and thrown him in the river. <laughs> because that was bad. And I don't remember the dog before this and hopefully uh we never see him again but as commentary points out he'll probably like find his way home because that's what dogs do no this is them writing him off and the dog was al green who was a regular goldberg job fodder and he was also uh kevin nash's second partner in the master blasters uh back in like 1990 all right yeah hopefully uh that's the last of him so joe at this point i realize at least on the cock there is 15 minutes left in the stream and we still have two two big matches left we have uh uh Jarrett versus buff and we have dustin Rhodes versus hogan that's two matches 15 minutes and i'm sure there's a commercial break in there uh, i was like how are they ever going to fit all this in but when we have Jarrett versus Buff, less than a minute into the match, the bad place Hall of Famers themselves, the Harris brothers, they interfere. Kurt Hennig comes out, attacks one of the Harris brothers. The other one doesn't seem to give a shit. Like, he sees his brother getting beat up, and he's like, I, I got something to do. Uh, but the, the one of them goes into the ring and interferes. But Buff is about to win. And then Big Papa Bump, Big Papa Bump, Big Papa Bump comes out for the save. Leading Kurt Hennig to take the guitar shot, the guitar shot to the head. And this was like, I don't know, a minute, two minutes. And uh, yeah, I feel like uh, Jarrett deserves better, but whatever. Jarrett always does deserves better. But um, we'll get to my overall feelings here um, at the end of yeah. the show. 
Uh, next up, your main event with like six minutes left in the show. The American Nightmare, Dustin Rhodes versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, apparently, I didn't realize this, but Dustin ran Terry Funk out of wrestling at Uncensored. So uh, there's that. Um, they fought outside the ring for a little bit. Dustin held a chin lock for about three minutes of the match. Uh, Dustin did a really cool like sliding, get the fuck out of the way uh, of Hogan's big boot, which was like a, a cool way to duck it. Uh, but eventually the, the ref gets knocked out. Dustin uses the cowbell, gets DQ'd. I'm sorry, the ref like gets knocked. But uh, anyways, there's a DQ. At this point, you're like two matches in a row. Oh, WCW. Uh, but Nick Patrick changes his mind, restarts the match. Once again, another example of overreach from referees. Not all those referees, Joe, they, they, they always try to you know, do more than they're allowed to referees. I'm on to you. And I know several of you are listening, uh, but we get the boot, the leg drop Hogan must pose. Uh, Hogan wins. Sid backstage has Jimmy Hart. He choke slams him through a table, puts the contract on his chest. Hogan runs back, takes a chair to the head for his troubles. And that's how we go off the air. So, uh, the, the contract for the, the world title match, I guess, is what was put on Jimmy Hart's match. And uh, that's Nitro. That's actually Thunder, but I get Oh, you. whatever. WCW. Very specifically, when Nick Patrick restarts the match off the DQ, he says that if Dustin doesn't get back into the ring, he'll fine him $10,000. Yeah, and is that like a reference to something or no? It's just I'm like, holy shit, what's going on here? Like referees just like throwing out like fines on like not letting DQs happen. You know, like why didn't they do that in the previous match? You know? Yeah, again, referees, you don't have that power. Knock it off. Um, but oh, yeah, oh, you said Double J deserves better, right? Sure. So for weeks uh, leading up to this, era. if you if you remember yeah. from. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you remember from the the show you assigned us, we're talking over each other, goddammit. Yep. The show you assigned us to now, Jarrett has been feuding with Sid, and Jarrett hasn't been able to beat Sid for the title. So now they do the deal where Hogan's back, Hogan's agreed to work full-time, I guess, so they have to turn Sid heel, and by them doing that, Jarrett is now bumped down the card. And that sucks for Double J. Yeah. At the same time, uh, what I was going to say, and I'm sure we'll edit all that out of us. No, it's all standing. I don't care. <laughs> I know. Um, what I was going to say is at least Jarrett of that era deserves better. Jarrett of 2022 uh, doesn't deserve to be this high up the card. But again, at the end of the day, he's the United States champion. So it kind of makes sense that he won't be the top guy. And if you want him to be the top guy, put the United States belt on somebody else and move Jared up. But I get what you're saying. Uh, my feedback of this show is if you take out the three count versus young dragons, uh, and then there was one other match. I forgot. I said it was pretty good. Um, the only thing that other than those two things, the only thing this show was had good was the miss Hancock stuff. Could so, use more. The, I think the main problem, Adam is, is that you're watching this show out of context, right? Uh-huh. And I know I had previously been assigning like the the Chikara stuff, you know, uh-huh. but I think I may have worked myself into a shoot and I might want to rewatch all of the WCW stuff that happens in between the two Russo booked eras. <laughs> <laughs> and like that includes, like 
that includes Nitros, Thunders, pay-per-views, Saturday nights, and Worldwides. Okay, I was about to ask you, okay, how many episodes, how much time are we looking at? You go throw in the, the Saturday and Sunday shows. That That's a little rough. I, I, I got at least two weeks before I have to figure it out. Maybe like a super cut? <laughs> I don't know. There, or... it, it's definitely going to – so if this happens, okay, there's it's definitely going to be, you know, Nitros, Thunders, and pay-per-views. I have to double check to see what angles are progressing on the other two shows. Uh-huh. Um, but I really want <laughs> to watch like all of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but I just want to say, take a look at yourself in the mirror. Listen to what you're saying and just wonder. Uh, I talk a lot about uh, my being influenced by you. I think I might have rubbed off a little on, on you on this one. Uh, listen, I'm I'm just saying I had a lot of fun with this. But I think you would have more fun if you had everything in in context, you know? Yeah. Plus, the best thing about WCW is we'll talk about, like, a character or an angle uh, on one episode, and then they're just gone. Right. Like, like how Mr. Jones. Like, we're never going to say his name again. Right. But. All right. I, I had fun. There was some fucking wrestling that was hard to get through. But great little snapshot of the era. Uh, nice seeing Stacy again and no homework this week. Cause we're watching ring of honor. Maybe. Right. I will say this. If I do decide to do this, um, we'll just end up watching the versions, uh, uh, on the, uh, the cock just to make it easier for everyone, you know? So I'm not like doing this with like every pay-per-view and every TV and every whatever. Um, but we'll see. Yep. All right, Joe, what's next? All right. Voicemails. Let's get into it. We got a bunch. Oh, Hey guys, it's Kevin Ford. Uh, I've been listening to After Dark and Joe just talked about him doing a uh, weekly purge of stuff on his, like, files, I guess, on his computer or phone or whatever. Uh, so could we get a weekly purges segment where Joe talks <laughs> about that and then eventually Addict can talk about the Funkos? He's definitely going to purge. Wink. Would be fun. That's all. Hope you're doing well. See ya. <laughs> <clears throat> First of all, how dare you? I, I've purged a lot of Funkos over the last couple months. I'm still allowed to buy them. It doesn't mean that I'm not purging them. If I buy one and sell five, that's still a net reduction of four. So how dare you? <laughs> all right. Well, let's do, the, let's do the weekly purge on air, right? Okay. Well, what are we doing? So I'm, I'm, I'm deleting off the uh, screen caps on my phone that I don't need anymore. Okay. See, I do a lot of screenshots of, like, toys that I need to buy. Like, oh, hey, there's a pre-order coming up on this day or whatever. But I'm really good at deleting them as soon as I don't need them anymore. So, right. So I don't. They usually, like I said, they sit on my phone for, like, a couple days or whatever it is. But I can make this a regular segment. So uh, I have the uh, McDonald's app merch drop for next week, (laughs) which is a Hamburglar shirt. (laughs) Of course. Um, was, was that? I said, of course. Uh, I have a screenshot of a change to uh, Pokemon that I had to send to my kid. All right. Uh, I have the screenshot of uh, Zombie Sailor's lie about the uh, Johnny Gargano retro figure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have the first um, tweet that PB Smooth sent out. And the tweet that Erica uh, Lee dunked on him. Yeah. 
Um, I then have a tweet from, and again, it's one of those people where like their username is like super long, and it gets cut off in the screen cap. But give me just a second here. While you're looking for that, yeah. While you're looking for that, as far as screenshots that I need to delete, uh, just the most recent ones. uh, I have a screenshot of my eBay uh alex shelley figure because uh it just arrived today and i usually keep a photo from ebay before i delete the delete it you know i make sure i get it first but uh and then i have the show image that i'll delete as soon as we go live and i think the last thing before that that i could probably delete is the zombie sailor shipping update for the jeff jarrett where it says it's going to arrive in the warehouse on december 14th which is only six days away um so the other one that i have here is a twitter user borg underscore not on his twitter thread that we think uh is what got doxy blocked by a lot of our mutuals okay (laughs) (laughs) and then i have uh a uh a tweet about something that was cut out of this week's pod van damme (laughs) (laughs) so that's uh my deleted screen that's the um uh, what what did what did Kevin call it? Uh, weekly pur- uh, purgeses. Purgeses, yes. So there you go. Those are my weekly purgeses. And, and Joe, Kevin mentioned, you know, he was listening to Longbox Heroes After Dark, um, which obviously, if you're not a poor and you listen in the correct listening order, uh, that came out on Tuesday. And I don't want to spoil anything, Joe, but a, a segment was drastically missing from the show and i i have to ask you joe how's todd's van uh todd's van is still in front of my house it does not have a ticket on it um and because the registration plates are expired uh i'm gonna up the calls to every other week as opposed to once a month so uh, i'm gonna be calling again on monday okay yeah i just figured uh again uh, Todd dropped the ball on that one, you know, and uh, a lot of people, my, myself included, want to know what's going on there. So, once again, picking up the slack for Todd. That's that's no surprise to anyone. Exactly. What's next? All right, next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. The uh, December eighth, December ninth. By the time I listen to it, almost end of the year. And I was just wondering if you guys have any wrestling related, wrestling adjacent predictions for next year. Um, someone winning a world title for first time, uh, healer face turn, you know, a faction, someone leaving for a different company, anything like that that you could just see coming next year or would enjoy. Um, my prediction is wrestling adjacent, not directly related to wrestling, but I am looking forward to Adam and Ed starting a new podcast on the soon to be named network. Um, I think it should be called pink button time, uh, maybe porch button time. And uh, just Ed and Adam talking about uh, wrestling, um, anime, ripping heaters, whatever, you know, uh, girls on the internet, whatever (laughs) comes up week to week. Uh, Something, he can't be on every episode, but I would like Todd to guest star on these as well. I think Todd and Ed would have very interesting conversations, and I would like to be a fly on the wall for those. So what, what do you see coming next time, and when can we expect the first episode of this podcast? Talk to you later, guys. Bye. All right. So for those that don't also listen to Pod Van Dam, the worst kept secret in all of podcasting is the fact that Pod Van Dam is coming to an end at the end of the year uh, and everybody's going to go their separate ways. And uh, I can tell you this, 
Uh, as much as I love talking to young Ed, if Ed's going to do a podcast with anybody on the soon to be named network, uh, it's not this person on the Skype call. It might be the other one. Um, but I also would love to hear Todd and Ed talk. I feel like that would be uh, chaos, like like really bad chaos. My dream podcast is getting Todd of Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, and Porch Talk to do a wrestling show with Michelle of Wings on Wings. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, I, I have a feeling that the soon-to-be-named network is going to be in the Young Ed business, and I would say that as a tentative start date of March... Um, just throwing out random things. And if it was going to be anything, it would probably be Ed Solo. Um, very similar to the videos that he's put up before where he like just throws out his random thoughts while he's like combing his hair and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it like, I, oh, like him talking while he's tying his hair or something like yeah, that? <laughs> yeah. But uh, predictions for next year, Joe. L.A. Night World Champ. Oh. Uh, all of the predictions I can think of are ones that make me sad, but I know they're going to happen. Like Cody Rhodes wins the Rumble and beats Roman Reigns, or Alexa Bliss gets spooky again and is like one of the Wyatt people, and or like MJF is the champ for nine months and we get the same promo over and over again, and a bunch of people I like in AEW end up going back to. To, to be with Papa H. Like, there's a lot of things that just make me sad, so I, I don't want to predict them all. People saying what you just called Triple H makes me sad. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll throw one more out there. Um, short reign for Eddie Kingston. He's going to win the AEW world title at Arthur Ashe. Whenever the next Arthur Ashe show is, he's going to win the belt there. I mean, I hope so, but if you, you're asking me things that, like, if I had to put money down... You know, sure bets. I don't know. Love Eddie Kingston, but I don't see Tony Khan give him that kind of recognition. I, just I hope threw I'm it out wrong. there. Those are my two, those are my two picks. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. All right, next call. Hello, Joe. Hello, Adam. This is once again Justin Summers from Wrestling Cheers, and not only do I have a question for you. This is going to go in line with next week's episode of Wrestling Cheers. And I want to know, what are your top five favorite Christmas movies are? And if you can do a top five, it might be a little bit harder. What are your top three or five worst Christmas movies? I'm not saying like ones that you, you, you like the least. It just, you've seen them once and you're like, oh my God, this sucks. Or, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming back to this anytime soon. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be giving out my answers here because that's what Wrestling Cheers is going to be for. Because with it being the end of the year, I'm a, little, I'm a little booked up right now. Got a lot going on. And I'm recording three episodes next week. The next two weeks of Wrestling Cheers, as well as the annual Christmas episode. So I kind of wanted something easy for this week. So we're, we're going to talk about Christmas movies. So, once again, what are your top five favorite? And what do you feel your top three or five worst Christmas movies are? Oh, and a side note from last week. I wasn't thinking about soundtracks, but I think soundtracks and maybe certain compilation albums are fine. Normally when I ask the question of like albums you can listen to all the way through, it's something that was put out 
by the artist, like all new material or something like that. But live albums are a different story. It also doesn't help that I don't own many live albums. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I was coming from with that question. And I, I feel like soundtracks are very suitable. I would even potentially accept something like, uh, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks. Volume one and two can't wait for volume three. But hey, I think that was a good catch, good loophole. And yeah, I'll allow it. All right, guys, I'm, I'm kind of running out of time on the uh, super premium. Oh, I don't have to worry about running out of time on the super premium line. But uh, yeah, catch you guys next week. Later. Uh, Summers, I, I hate to tell you this, but you, you know how Kevin Hellions has his own special rules that were put in place for his own good? Uh, you're going to get one if you keep having us like, name your top 20 favorite movie. Like, let's, Joe, let's limit it to three. Let's three, three again. I think I might need to start screening Justin's calls beforehand so we could do prep work for his call. <laughs> I know. That's it's like I drop in your lap. Eight to ten Christmas movies go. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, technically, isn't anything a Christmas movie at this point? Like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, right? So if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then so is Batman Returns. I'd say Batman Returns is my favorite Christmas movie. Gremlins is probably, like, my other favorite Christmas movie. Um, I like A Christmas Story. Um, I like Muppet Christmas Carol. But I like, and is it technically a movie because it's not like feature length, but they would show it as like the ABC Disney movie of the week, the uh, di- the Disney Christmas Carol with Scrooge McDuck, right? I love that. Yeah. yeah. Emmett Otter Jug Band Christmas. Is it a movie? No, but it's like theatrical length that it was on HBO. I love all those things. Yeah. Um. I, I will just say this here, and uh, we don't have to address it any further. I just want to put it out into the ether. Uh, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a movie that takes place during Christmas, so fuck all yous. Um <laughs> Three favorite Christmas movies. Uh, I am not a huge Christmas movie guy, but I'll say, like, uh, obviously you mentioned Christmas Story. That's something that you have to have on in the background at least once, like on Christmas or Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Vacation, and uh, I, I am also the sucker that like likes Love Actually. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of people like, a lot of people shit on. It's a fun movie. And if you're going to go ahead and throw like Emmett Otter and the Jug Band and all that stuff that I don't know, like I've never seen, I'm going to say like Doctor Who Christmas specials are, are <laughs> something that is awesome. Because uh, before Chris Chibnall took over the show and ruined it, there used to be a Christmas special every year, and they were awesome. And I'll say, like, my worst, not so much as worst, but overrated, let's say. Uh-huh. Uh, Jingle All the Way is overrated. Absolutely. Uh, again, Can controversial. What? Can I do one? So you don't want really to double up here? Uh, Elf with Will Ferrell. I fucking hate that movie. Um, People love that. And I, 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 he's so fucking annoying and not in, like, an endearing way. So my problems with Elf are less the movie itself and more my problems with Will Ferrell as an actor. But obviously he's the lead, so like it's six of one, half a dozen the other. Um, I get why people like it, but it's not for me. Yeah. Um, Christmas Vacation's overrated. It's overrated, but I like it. Like, can't it's, something be overrated and like still be enjoyable? People act like it's you know one of the greatest movies of all time. No, whereas I'll never say it's that. it's not even the best vacation movie starring Chevy Chase. Are you going to say the original or your original? See, I might go so far as to say Vegas Vacation is the best. 
Uh, Mr. Papa Giorgio. Uh (laughs) And uh, what's the other one I was going to say that's overrated when it comes to the... I said Jingle All the Way. I said Christmas Vacation. Um, I think that's... Oh, uh, Just Friends. Just Friends, technically a Christmas movie. That's the one where Ryan Reynolds is in a fat suit. Yeah, yeah, I know that one, yeah. And, yeah, uh, technically a Christmas movie, also bad. Uh, it's it's just as much... I th- I'd say it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. Uh, right. It's not terrible. And speaking of old Double R, you see that on Apple TV, there's uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell Christmas movie that came out a couple weeks ago. Who the fuck has Apple TV? Oh, I don't have it, but I have ways to get things. I mean, that's (laughs) fucking pay for it. What are you crazy? Uh, It's called Spirited. So Mm. I might check that out because as bad as Will Ferrell is, uh, Ryan Reynolds is the opposite. He's like good, like really good at everything he does. No. Yes. (laughs) No. Um, And uh, and then last but not least, just to throw it out there, of course, the whole thing with Die. I don't care if Die Hard's a Christmas movie or not. But if you make your whole personality Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie, then oh, you yeah. suck. Absolutely. Like if it's the it's like you know how like Marcus dreads the first time he gets whammed when he goes yes. into a store. I dread the first tweet or Facebook thing that I see about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. I fucking hate it. Like it, yeah. it's always ruined. Maybe like a week before Thanksgiving. Like I don't even get into the holidays. Uh but yeah, that that's one of my least favorite christmas tropes yeah all right right. thank you thank you for your call justin yep all right next call hey guys it's the wiki uh i am calling in i don't even know if i'm gonna get this in time because i'm on pacific time and it's like 5 30 here which means it's 8 30 there i don't know if this is gonna get you in time Uh, i just wanted to tell you guys to have a great show and adam specifically I think you're. I think you're an ace, and I, I think you're gonna. I think this is gonna be a great show for you. Uh, I just wanted to give you that compliment. Uh, you know, last week was a great show. I think this is gonna be another great show. <clears throat> so, uh, love you guys. Uh, keep up the great work. <laughs> and Joe, your last voicemail on Todd Van Dam this week was fucking hysterical. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> I, I think he's done there. Uh, for those that don't know, DeWiki uh, is nice enough. He goes in and leaves a comment on longboxheroes.com after we do every show with kind of his takes on the episodes. Uh, does it almost every week, except for when he's like big time and like uh, starring on stage and screen. And he's like, oh, I'm too busy. I got to audition. I got to, I got to, you know, practice. I got to go take my bows and sign autographs. Those times he doesn't do it. But recently uh, he went on there and he said that last week's episode was one of his favorite Adam episodes, which I don't trust. Like there's, I feel like this is either a bit or he's trying to shake me somehow in some kind of like, uh, what do they call it when it's like a psychological thing? And I don't know. It's just I don't trust any of it. DeWiki doesn't – he's not that way. Like if he was saying nice things about Joe, I'd believe it because like him, Ford, a bunch of them, they're just all like Joe Sposo, yes, man. But like for him <laughs> to say something nice about me, especially two weeks in a row, something's really up. So I, I – Anybody who's listening to that, you think it's a nice thing. It's definitely not nice. There, there's something's afoot. 
and I've got an eye on you, DeWiki. But also, I need you to remix the Wrestling Cheers jingle to put our names into it, because Summers ain't using it no more. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought maybe uh, David was drunk with all the things that he was saying there, but all right. <laughs> it's possible. But If he's uh, just doing it to shake you, then that's even better. Yeah, it's, it's ew, reverse psychology. I don't know. All right. But th- thanks, Wiki. Thank you, David. Enjoy your trip. Next call. Hey, Joe and Adam, what's happening? It's your buddy Kenny from the Mystery Men. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, feeling a little down about this entire uh, week of pro wrestling or whatever. Kind of bummed, but the coolest thing that did happen is that the boar got two new excellent suggestions for his move set. One of them being a singles move, the other being a tag move to use with Gummy Boar via uh, our buddy WCW Deep Cuts. That singles move, Boar's going to hook a brother in a full Nelson and then walk over to the turnbuckle and then bash brother's head into a turnbuckle. Super devastating. And then he can combo that into some kind of slam or throw uh, all without losing, without leaving a seat because that's priority number one. And then that second tag move for Gummy Boar, I mean, this is going to be like the next hot finish to rip up the indies apart, and everybody's going to be like, I need this on my show. Uh, Boar's going to elevate a brother, uh, similar to Road Warrior Animal for the old Doomsday device, right? And then Erica Lee springboards off the apron onto the top, and then comes off with a flying spin kick, Xbox style. Wacha! And then uh, brother uh, Boar throws brother's legs over the shoulders, yep. and uh, who uh, homeboy is going to have to get his hands down? He's going to have to protect your neck. You know what I mean? And uh, it's going to be awesome. Gummy Boar for champs everywhere. Do it, <laughs> and uh, don't ever quit doing a podcast because quitting doing a podcast is for geeks. <laughs> get crap. Get wrecked, boss. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about him describing like the setup, at least for the Doomsday device. And thank you for the call, Kenny. Um, and I was like, oh, he, the boar has to do this the unsafe way because there's no way the boar's taking an unnecessary back bump there. Nope. Even if it's just like voluntary and as part of his finisher, he needs to do the one where he flips the guy over and it's yep. it's on them whether they land on their head or not. So right. total agreement there. Um before I throw it over to you, my only thing I saw that full Nelson move where you slam your opponent's face into the turnbuckle. My only concern there is the boar is usually three to four feet taller than most of the guys he's wrestling in the Indies, and he'd have to bend down pretty far to put on a full Nelson. So I'm not sure if he wants to put that stress on his back, uh, but that's really up to him. He'd have to answer. That. No, that's okay. Like because he has that height advantage, he could like lift the guy up so the guy's off their feet. Yeah, that's true, but then he's got to bend down to hit the turnbuckle. Yeah, not that far. You'd be the surprised. Top, the top turnbuckle is at the boar's knees. Like, that's... You don't want to <laughs> do that, like, 300 days a year on the road. It's not that bad. Come on now. <laughs> and uh, I missed... When, when I saw the full Nelson thing, I'm like, oh, boar needs to steal that. That's a good one. Yeah. And then uh, everyone was talking about the high-voltage uh, springboard deals, and I, I was the one who had said, there's no way... Boar's leaving his feet on that when he's going to give the uh, old animal ankle push to the guy. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, Brucey's show last week um, where they're talking about the Road Warriors Legion of Doom. And Conrad asked Bruce if he would ever take the Doomsday device because there's rumor 
that one time when LOD was in their first run in like the 90s in WWF that they were all drunk at a bar and Vince, also they're drunk, had the Road Warriors pick him up and give him the Doomsday device at the bar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, that this day in WWF Twitter account, uh-huh. uh, he'll tweet out stuff that kind of corresponds with what Brucey talks about on the show. And he had mentioned that he as well wouldn't take the Doomsday device. But just a week or so ago, uh, he tweeted out a gif of maybe the safest Doomsday device I've ever seen the Legion of Doom do. It was from Starcade 87. They're giving it to on Anderson. And literally, Hawk comes off the top rope. And it was like timed perfectly where Animal was like holding on to the tops, like above his knees, okay? Uh-huh. Of Arn Anderson. And they all just kind of like slowly all fall together backwards. <laughs> it looked like the cushiest, safest doomsday device in the world. And if they gave me that one specifically, it would absolutely take the doomsday device. Yeah, no, I agree. But <laughs> uh, uh, Kenny, thanks again for the uh, Ian Riccoboni micro brother. Yes, and thank you for calling again, Kenny. And it's pink button time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Hey, Joan Adam. It's Ed. Um, so, uh, I said on the show last week that I'm watching Wednesday on Netflix. It's very good. Jenna Ortega's in it. She was also in the Zardmark, Joe. Um, and stuck in the middle. There's like a scene in there, if you haven't seen it yet, where there's like a school dance. And Wednesday does, like, this uh, dumb little goth dance to Goo Goo Muck by the Cramps, right? Um, and I said on Twitter, I was like, who's going to be the first person to change their entrance music to Goo Goo Muck? Because it's 100% going to happen. And then right after his said it, it instantly came to me. It will be Kid Bandit, and Kid Bandit will be doing a Wednesday cosplay and learning that stupid fucking dance. There's no scenario that exists in the world where this isn't a thing that is going through their mind right now. And uh, it's awful. And I, it made me uh, remember that I used to love Kid Bandit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a non-gender conforming weeb uh, who does cosplay. That's everything that should appeal to me. And like in record time, they just became... Uh, one of the most annoying things in the world to me. And I wonder, if you guys ever had a wrestling like that where, like, you were really, really into them, and then quickly you were like, this is, nope, nope, this is not for me. Uh, Joe, I would have guessed it would be L.A. Night, but you really worked yourself <laughs> with that one. <laughs> you somehow gave yourself Stockholm Syndrome. It's fucking wild. Um, but, yeah, you ever you ever have anybody like that? Do you, like, this... This is this is all great shit, and then quickly you you change your mind on that. Um, KB. <laughs> Uh, I have a really good one, but I'll I'll just say uh, first of all, thanks for the call, Ed. Uh, once again, welcome to the soon-to-be-named network and one of our biggest acquisitions ever. Um, and I just started watching Wednesday last night. Uh, Wednesday, the Netflix show. I'm like two episodes in. And my favorite thing about that dance that he referred to is I saw a tweet where she's dancing to the FDR theme music. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's really good. It just seemed like it was like every time like the song hits a beat or a change, like she changes the dancing. It seems like it's like mixed perfectly. It was really good. Uh, but I would say that 
Ed, you're going to say Kid Bandit is much more preferred than the person I'm about to mention. I'm going to say Marty Skrull because I used Ooh. to, I used to like during the Ring of Honor uh, uh, Bullet Club days. Marty Skrull was like, at least I thought it was like, hey, he's cool. He's with the Bucks. He's with Hangman, Cody, Omega. Like, yay! It's 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 another guy in the Bullet Club, and I like the Bullet Club. And then like. AEW starts and I'm like, oh man, why didn't they take Marty Skrull? And then like I learned things and I'm like, oh that makes sense. Never mind. <laughs> and uh yeah, so that's my big like like hero to zero thing. So uh I want to just say uh you know obviously Ed is speculating that uh Kid Bandit is gonna be the first one to do the uh Wednesday uh goo goo muck dance thing. Uh, my wife and kids started watching Wednesday without me. I did walk in as I was like in between commercials on AEW Wednesday, and there's a little too much swearing in it for me, you know? It's, I didn't even, uh, like I said, I'm two episodes in. Like, if there was a single swear, I don't even remember it. Uh, there's a scene, okay. There's a scene where Wednesday asks another girl how to work the computer and then sends Thing to a boy's room with her phone number written on thing's yeah. hand. Does th- any of this sound familiar to you? Yeah, yeah, that was in the second episode. Okay, so just in those two scenes alone, they said shit like three times. I might be shit desensitized then. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I mean, you got a kid, you're like super aware of any time people are cursing, you know? I got gotcha. you. Um, but what I think Ed should do is, Ed should do uh, a YouTube short or a Facebook whatever or a Vine of himself doing the Wednesday dance to the Goo Goo Muck doll oh. to scoop everybody else who's going to do it on the indies this weekend. Yeah, hashtag Ed Cody, hashtag new soon-to-be-named network show, hashtag... <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Ed better do the Wednesday Goo Goo Muck <laughs> dance before they steal it on the indies this weekend. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but I have a ton. Like, there's there's ones where it took me a very long time to get there, like... Someone that I was a fan of, um, like The Undertaker, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But somebody that, like, quickly, we had mentioned before Vampiro, right? When Vampiro first showed up in WCW, I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. And then I realized really quick, I'm like, oh, this guy sucks, you know? Yeah, I think that happens, like, I don't want to sound, like, too too leaning in one direction. But obviously, I think you and I have similar uh, values. And, like, when you find out that somebody you liked has, like, the exact opposite of the values you have, you're like, oh, man. Even yeah. if they, they, they don't vocalize it or actively campaign to certain things, the fact that you know that they feel a certain way, it's hard to throw your support behind them as hard. So, um, and it wasn't very cool. Okay. So time is all relative, okay? Uh-huh. Um, maybe the biggest one for me is The Public Enemy, right? Okay. 1994, 1995, ECW Public Enemy. I swore up and down. They're the <laughs> best tag team in the world. They're great. And, like, you know, it was 94, 95. There weren't a ton of people that were into wrestling, but I had friends that were into wrestling. And I would argue up and down. They'd list every tag team that was current. They're like, Harlem Heat, Smoking Guns, <laughs> this one, that one. And I'm like, Public Enemy's better than all of them. And then once they get to du- the WCW, they're completely exposed as being washed and dog shit. And I'm like, yeah. I can't believe I like these guys, you know? <laughs> so I'd say that's the biggest one for me is Public Enemy. Yeah, uh, Paul Heyman's a great salesman. 
And I feel like you can say a similar thing about a lot of the people from WC or from ECW that went on to WWE or WCW, you know, right. or really any platform that wasn't ECW. You're like, oh man, they're not as good. You know, yeah. like there was a time when I thought Shane Douglas was the franchise was like the greatest wrestler on the planet. I was like, this guy could do it in the ring. He's the best promo. Like all those people that talk about MJF, that was me during the franchise's run in ECW. And then like anywhere else, it was like, oh, he's just the guy who's like now a target manager. You know? So, okay. So I still like Shane Douglas. Okay. Sure. Sure. I, I'm just saying like how you can be how these people seem uh, like over grandized if like not that they all oh, fell from grace and now i don't like them anymore but just like you felt like everybody was better than they actually were in ecw so it, because shane douglas was such a big deal in ecw in 1995 like 94 95 leaves summer of 95 to go to wwf and is back in ecw summer in january of 96 it like strengthened my resolve for how good I thought the franchise was because it's like, Oh, WF of course didn't know what to do with a character like this. They were purposely holding him down and giving him a shitty gimmick and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. And then it's not until he goes to WCW and he's part of the revolution. I think at like 99 and all of his promos sucked. He's completely washed, like I said. He's just wearing the arm brace all the time. Anytime he wrestles, it looks like shit, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, he had a really good run from, like, 94 to, like, early 99, you know? Yeah. Um, Except for, like, the, you know, whatever it was, six months that he was gone to WWF. So, like, I'll still always be a franchise because, like, you know, you're talking 96, 97, 98. He had, like, a four-year run there in the 90s where, like, he was really good. But, like, Public Enemy, like, literally had, like, a year. And they had no, like, redemption. Like, they went to WCW, went to WWF, went back to ECW, went back to WWF. And I think they had, like, one more short run in WCW. And, like, everything after that 95 run in ECW was, like, it was just, like, more dog shit piled on more dog shit. <laughs> yeah no i'm glad that i i feel like i joined ecw as they were on their way out so i didn't get uh public enemy pilled like you did yeah i was more of like the eliminators are the best ever pilled mm -hmm. but anyways uh thanks for the call ed future co-worker and buddy of mine <laughs> he'll see you around the water cooler at the <laughs> exactly. network offices yeah, I'll give him a tour, uh, take him to orientation. Right. Uh, it'll be a good time. Uh, so, listen, uh, you know, the show's running long. It is what it is. Um, I would be remiss not to mention we are two weeks in a walk-up away from LVAC Holiday Hangout, December 23rd, back at National Sokols. Tickets are on sale. The link is in the show notes. Pay no mind that the link still claims that their tickets for the t October 21st show. I assure <laughs> you that their tickets for the December 23rd show uh, already announced for the show. Young Jay Lee taking on Lucky 13. Becca taking on uh, Clara Sierras. And Cheeseburger taking on Speedball Mike Bailey, which I think is going to be a huge match. And we did just recently get the video of Billy Avery and Leslie Butterscotch, the Flames of Love, challenging Chris Reject and any partners of his choice to a match. 
uh, at the show. So I'm sure between the time that we're done recording and the show going live, they'll announce the match graphic for this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Any other things before I get to the plugs? Yes. Yeah, so IWTV, uh, AKA Jerry's internet wrestling emporium. Um, you know, use the promo code at odds, uh, new subscribers. Let's Jerry know that you came to him from us. Um, they are having their year end award nominations that end on the 11th. Um, best wrestler, best team, best moment, best match, best breakout star. Um, I know I can certainly put uh, Dom and Kevin Koo, Violence is Forever, as best team. I saw Big Dan suggest best moment as Avery Good Professional Wrestler's retirement at the uh, Batch of the Brewery show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm kind of like stymied for like best wrestler, best match, and breakout star. Um. All right. So, I mean, I, I could do a couple of these here. Um, hmm. Yes, I'm going to go uh, Wrestler of the Year, obviously Broski. Okay. Uh, tag Team of the Year, uh, I got I got to, you know, do a little self-serving pick here. And no, I'm not doing the major players, uh, bulking season. Sorry, Dom. You know, you guys got the rub on PWI. Congratulations for that. But uh, 2022 was the year of bulking season. Uh, moment of the Year. Uh when did Broski win the absolute and intense titles? That was the year before. Ah, oh, okay. He did return as the newly like rechristened champion. Uh, no, you know what? Moment of the year, and this is on I- Indies, right? I, I-, I want to say Eddie Kingston at uh, Steel Stacks, but I will go with the retirement of Avery Good. Okay. Uh, and then what? what was the other ones? We said wrestler, team, moment, match, and breakout star. Ah, oh, match. I don't know. I can be swayed on this. What were yours for these? I don't know. I'm scratching my head. Like I said, I was uh, looking to talk to you about it. I think I can maybe Ooh. say Wes Barkley is breakout star. You know, Wes has been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with the win over Broski recently, I think he's poised for a big 2023. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um. Shoot, it's it's escaping my head. Uh, right, talk for a second. I gotta Google something here. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna say for match of the year, uh, from the show that we went out to uh, AIW for Ultramantis Black versus Nightmare Freddy. Oh, there you go. There's uh, my match of the year and wrestler of the year. I don't know. Uh, anyone but Broski. How about that? <laughs> Everybody else is in first place. Broski's in thirteenth. <laughs> um. All right, uh, I'm just. I finally figured out what I have here, and uh, da, 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 da. all right. I apologize because I could not remember the name of one of these people, and I will not say who the person is that I forgot because it will get me killed. Uh, but my match of the year was at my last AIW show that I attended that you weren't at, and it was the three way match between Joey Janela, Josh Bishop, and Matthew Justice. Okay. Probably the craziest fucking uh, sickest like live fire rounds I've ever seen in person. Uh, as far as just justice getting hit in the head with fucking repeated chair shots, uh, Bishop being a madman, and Janela was there too. But uh, <laughs> that was again, I was there. It was awesome. I still talk about. It. I still think about that match. 
And I think we were told earlier this week, uh, Matt Justice was on a uh, podcast this week, and he told us chair shots aren't bad. The internet is bad. So, <laughs> I uh, well, there I agree with that. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like that match was sick. So I'm, I'm just going to put that down. Yeah, for sure. So everyone, uh, you know, get your nominations in by the 11th, and then we'll see what ends up on the actual ballots, and then we'll uh, make our votes from there. You know. Yeah, like, we'll do the bit, like, I'm pretty sure we've done where we have to kind of agree on who our team, or not nomination, our team vote goes to. Like, yeah, for the show, yeah. Yeah, we turn our keys. We have to both turn our keys on the same pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's it for my end of the plugs. Yeah, do we have any Amazon purchases? Oh, yeah, so, uh, hey, uh, T-Public sales not going on. T-Public, I don't think, are doing any more sales for the year. They did a weird thing where they're like, yeah, the 6th is our last sale, so we can get shit out in time for Christmas. Um, but you can help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, it's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is. You get the episodes. does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yep. Oh, man. Very uh, enthusiastic there. Uh, notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this week include an Angrox universal remote for a Samsung TV. Oh. And somebody awesome. also purchased a Hanes men's hoodie, eco-smart fleece, zip-front hooded sweatshirt, cotton blend, fleece hooded sweatshirt, mid-weight zip-up. That's a lot of sweatshirt references in that one. right? And a lot of zipping. Yeah. <laughs> zip it up and zip it out. Exactly. But uh, it'll do to you too. <laughs> so all right. gonna get this. Alright. But you know you can also cockadoodle to these podcasts, Joe. And these podcasts you should listen to are Longbox Heroes. Longbox Heroes After Dark. Final Wrestling Place. We Need Wrestling. Porch Talk. The Garf Pod. Viewer's Choice. WWE War. Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Pod Van Dam, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, Uo Kawai with Jonas and the Small Bees. <laughs> it's not as funny when you laugh, but goddammit, I'm not editing this either. Oh, hit my music, and if you catch my grift. Oh man, I tried to hold it together there, but something made me laugh. I don't know what it is, Joe. Hey, I'm going to be on uh, If You Catch My Grift uh, the next episode, whenever it comes out. Um, uh, Austin and Dustin were nice enough to have me on. We had a long, nice conversation about Alex Jones. Um, You know, and this one's my fault, you know, obviously, because um, we like to blame Adam that these shows go too long. But, like, anytime on a podcast that's not Longbox Heroes, it seems to go minimally three hours. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I listen to those shows, and they they do – I mean, they go long anyways, and that's not a bad thing because they're very, very well researched. Yeah. Um, and you being on there uh, just probably made it worse. And I don't mean worse as in a worse show, but you made the, the runtime longer. Um, but I recently, I actually just DM'd those guys. Uh, I started listening to If You Catch My Grift when Ed was on for the Bell Delphine episode. Uh, I, I'll tell people that I listen because of Ed, but I re- really listen because of Bell Delphine. And that was maybe, I don't know, episode 11, 15, whatever. Uh, and then a couple months later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to start 
from the beginning, and I actually just finished a complete listen through uh, of all the the episodes. So I am a fan of the show. So I look forward to your episode on there. Absolutely. And when it comes out, you know, it'll be boosted up on all the uh, platforms that we have access to. Again, thank you very much for having me on, guys. And I'm looking forward to it coming out. Absolutely. I think that's it for the main show, Joe. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe. Uh... Not a big week for me. How about you? Uh, actually, uh, I had a purchase this week. Uh, you know, still just, I actually bought the last Christmas gift that I needed, and I got the shipping notification for it today before we started recording. Um, so, again, it's something for my wife. Again, that doesn't count. But um, once that comes in, like, I'm done done Christmas shopping, and stuff just needs to be wrapped. Um, but I did purchase something for myself. I don't know why we were there this past week, but we had to go to Target for something. Probably like birthday cards. Oh, baby shower card. That's what it was. My wife had a baby shower this weekend. And anytime me and my kid go to Target, of course, we end around over to where like all the Pokemon cards are and then go back by the toys, right? Sure. And over by the Pokemon cards, they have these tins. They're maybe like, they're like square tins that have like, oh, here's like the fire and the electric and the water and the whatever. And I'm Pokemon pilled because of my kid. And there's a uh, Pokemon that I like called Guzzlord. And he's <laughs> featured on one of the tins. And obviously it comes with like Pokemon cards and like whatever the hell is inside the tin. But I'm like, you can have the shit that's inside the tin. I just want the tin for myself. So I now have a Guzzlord tin in my office. And that's what I now have all my pens and stuff in. I used to have a decorative vase, like a decorative like um, metal vase. From uh-huh. my old, old, old job, but now I have a much more stylish thing of my favorite Pokemon, Guzzlord. Yeah, it's much more fancy. You can put it out if there's company coming. Show. Yeah, them. yeah, I get it. Um, all right, cool. Uh, you mentioned Christmas presents, and I am like so far behind, and it's fucking December eighth. I feel like Christmas is weeks and weeks and weeks away, but I really need to start figuring out what to buy some people so thanks for the reminder but it's like two weeks away you got plenty of time yeah i do it on amazon you know it's easy to get it the next day or two so hopefully every gift i buy is on amazon oh uh, did you see the new gimmick with amazon with the the alexa did you see this did you see the doctor and me did you see i saw a tweet about this where you can thank your alexa driver and they get like a tip and they get into drawings for like money and stuff like that is that what you're talking about yeah, so like when your package arrives, if you pull up your Alexa and just say, Alexa, thank my driver, um, whoever, like it coordinates with whoever the driver was that dropped off the last package that you did, um, they get a $5 bonus and they're entered into some sort of whatever at the job. Yeah. Uh, now, here's my thing. I know a lot of people out there, when you order something on uh, Amazon, an Amazon truck comes up and gives you your thing. My Amazon purchases just get dropped off by the post office, and I definitely don't want to give them money. So I, I 
don't think it applies to them or mm. does it like that? I'm very curious about because I've never seen an Amazon truck in my neighborhood. Really? That's odd. No, they they drop it off or like everything goes to the post office that I do on Amazon. That's weird because we get I get both, you know. Yeah, like I will get Sunday deliveries of Amazon stuff, but it is my postal carrier bringing it in the mail truck. Interesting. And like I said, I definitely don't want to give her five bucks. (laughs) So, yeah, if you're getting Amazon stuff and it's an Amazon person delivering your stuff, you know, those people are overworked to begin with. And we all kind of take advantage of um how hard those folks work and there was you know they don't have a union and they're pissing in jugs while they're trying to make their deliveries or whatever it is and you know if just by fucking turning on your alexa just saying like thank my driver gives them an extra five bucks it's the least you could do actually the least you could do is absolutely nothing but you could actually go them one better and do this yeah and uh make sure you're using our click through when you you buy that stuff too yeah for (laughs) sure um speaking of buying stuff like i said joe uh, I don't have much. I purchased, if you remember last week and the week before, I was taking advantage of a lot of like very aggressive sales. Um, I bought from Forbidden Planet, which is, I guess, a comic shop in New York City. Um, but they had, and this is not an exclusive to them, but it's a NECA two-pack of uh, the characters from the video game The Last of Us, Joel and Ellie. Um, and that is an $80 box set that you can get at like entertainment earth or big bad or, or many different places. Uh, but forbidden planet had it on their website last week on sale for $55 shipped. So down, okay. for you know, and it was a two, pa- it wasn't an impulse buy. It was something that was on a lot of my, uh, wish lists, uh, for a while. And I was just kind of waiting to like either catch a sale or waiting for our local toy store to get one. Because I was worried about the condition, uh, but like I said, uh, fifty-five bucks down from eighty. Uh, it took them a little while to ship it. Like it probably didn't ship for like a week or two. Because uh, I did order this a while ago. I just didn't mention it. Um, and it came in mint, so it's awesome. So uh, that was a really good deal on a figure pack that I wanted. So I never played no uh, the Last of Us, but I understand it's being made into a TV show. Yeah, uh, and that's actually coming on soon. Uh, I think it's like, I, I think I saw it comes out like sometime January, like January 15th or something. The video game awards thing is on as we're recording this, but yep. like it was on before we started recording, you know? Yeah, I just looked it up January 15th. Uh, the Mandalorian is the main character. He plays Joel on the, the show. Uh, but yeah, I love The Last of Us. Uh both of them, the first one and the second one. Uh, the first one is one of those games where I bought it on the PS3. Then I bought the slight remaster on the PS4. And they, then they did like a ground up rebuild of the game for the PS5. Uh, that's on my Christmas list. I think I told my mom to get it for me. So I'll be getting that. Uh, so I'll have it for a third time. But yeah, I really like that. Those games are uh like really good like they're the story of those games are are some of the best storytelling in video games ever my okay yeah uh my other purchase and my last purchase joe because like i said it's a light week is i bought something that you might have seen the tweet i don't know you ignore a lot of my tweets is i had to demote something from the detolfs because of this Oh, I missed this. I had to finally, once and for all, take the Slim Jim Macho Man out of the Detolf and stick it back at Gen Pop 
in the in the toy room. <laughs> and I'm gonna get ready to send this picture to you in just a second, but this is something that has been on my eBay watch list for a while. It is part of a very specific collection that you know about that I've been working on for a while. Um, once in a while, these pop up on eBay. They're usually very overpriced, and I'm going to send you the picture right now, But and I'll tell the story. I got a 2007 Jack Specific Deluxe Aggression Kurt Hawkins figure. Oh, get out of town. Yeah, so I had already had the Broski one. Uh, I've mentioned before that like my goal is to get, and I sent it to you, I don't know if you got it yet, but uh, my goal is to get all of the broken, uh, broken, Broski and Hawkins figures from when they both had long hair. So like pre-woo-woo-woo is my rule. Um, and obviously this is one of them that I needed. I am now down to only needing three figures. Uh, but the funny thing with this is, like I said, they're usually uh, like, once in a while they'll pop up and they're like 150, 180 and nobody buys them. They just sit there. And if the guy takes offers, you know, you try to send them a reasonable offer and they ignore it. But I think when we went to raw, uh, I told you and Brent and DJ, I was like, Oh, check this out. This is actually a reasonable price. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, I think at the time the guy had it for like a hundred dollars or best offer. And I sent an offer of like 60 and it got instant declined. Um, so I sent an offer. I didn't tell you this, but I sent an offer of 70 and then it got declined a couple hours later and he sent a, a offer back of like 85 bucks. And I was like, Nope, not interested. Uh, fast forward a couple weeks later. Um, I look, the guy lowered the starting price to $70 by it now or best so I was like, you could have took my offer like before for 70, but now you have it out there for 70 or best offer. So I sent him an offer of 50 bucks and he came back at 60 and he accepted it. Very <laughs> so, so long. Like he accept, accepted the offer that I offered him when we went to raw like a month ago. Uh, so I got the figure. I'm down to three. I'm happy with it. It's in great shape. It is in the detolf and uh, no longer is Slim Jim Macho. I think you're shadow banned on my Twitter because I see some of your stuff, but not all of your stuff. Oh, see, I got to get that check mark so that I always show up, Joe. Mm-hmm. And I can't I can't put you on alerts because that's only safe for special people and you tweet too goddamn much. <laughs> that's true. Um, but I will say this. Uh, I'm glad that you have that collection. That is a terrible Brian figure. Oh, it's dog shit. It's absolutely bad. I'll say I've showed you this before, uh, but I'm going to send it to you just so you can have it next to it. I'm going to send you the broski that goes with that that I got a couple months ago. Uh, and if you think the Brian looks bad, uh, this uh, Cardona one is even worse. They're both terrible sculpts, but you could. Uh, no, you can't. Obviously, they're they're both terrible. <laughs> but they're just generic blonde guy is what these figures are. Yeah, they're both real bad. Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, uh, Jeremy and his toy companies haven't gotten much better on likenesses since then. Uh, some of them look good. Some of them look real bad. Yeah, some of them look real bad. But like that Brian one, he, he looks like if you told me that was a Triple H figure, I'd believe you. Yeah. If you to- told me the Broski figure was a Jericho figure, I'd believe you on that. 
Yeah, they're they're not good. I mean, it doesn't help, honestly, that that Hawkins and Ryder in like 2007 were very just nondescript blonde guys, right? You know, but yeah, these are these figures are bad. You could have at least kind of sort of made them look like Edge. Yeah, yeah, just take an Edge figure and just repaint it. You right. know, you even have to have a new mold. That would have been the smart play. Uh, anyway, but. But that's it for me, Joe. Like I, I was able to check something off of my eBay save search for a long time. I got a good price on it, and I'm done. I, I was a good boy. Awesome. I'm glad that you behaved. This is a good start for the uh, year of financial responsibility. Yeah, it doesn't start until January, so I have a couple weeks that I can do whatever I want. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Right, but uh, it's good to get yourself ready so you're not going into that cold turkey, you know? <laughs> exactly. You gotta, you got to ease into it. Right. But that's all for the that's all for me, Joe. I think we're I think that's a good short show. I would certainly say so. Whew. Anyway, uh hey everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh this was episode two nineteen of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh for Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.